Hey, what's up, fake nerds? It's episode 298. Ryan is popping in and out of existence. Popping! Ben is not here once again because he just saw this movie and went, eh. <laughs> and Brandon is also with us from a great distance away. We are here to talk about delicious mooncakes and maybe do some revenge on people. I'm not saying it's Ben, but I'm not not saying it's Ben. Ooh. Wouldn't that be funny if this episode just became just an elaborate revenge plot against Ben? It's, we we just we on air stage the Christmas I, prank. If I did not know that Ben listens to these episodes when yeah. he's not on, <laughs> I would plan his Christmas prank live. <laughs> listen to him when, when he's on, also though. So. That's true. That's we true. should we should do that. Oh, maybe we shouldn't. I shouldn't say this on, uh, online now, but like whatever. We Too should late. we should do a movie review. For a movie that he will never see. Mm. And then that episode is actually just us planning the Christmas prank. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick something like completely out of his out of his comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because this week, all half the trailers we watch are like, well, damn, Ben's not here for, for this is his week. So that's, I almost put a Ruby trailer on. I was like, oh, Ben's not even here. Fuck it. Yeah, we, we all just talk about Ruby for 30 minutes. <laughs> That's um, it. We should all forget doing do revenge. If I had the image here, I would just put Ruby behind us right now, <laughs> and we're going to make up what the we plot think of Ruby. Ruby. And like, I'm so mad. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Now I'm kind of bummed. We're not doing that. That's next time. It's not on. Next time. All right. Well, we have links in the description. Only two uh, this week. She Hulk episode three and four. Yes. Uh, which I did not. I was not a part of, but that is there. Um, you can check that out. Uh, Sparks, Ryan, and Ben uh, uh, on that one. It's true. That's true. We hulked it out. Uh, that's, so that's the only fake news watch that's in the description. That's the only link regards to the show. Um, my screen rant work is, of course, linked below. I think the only thing that was published this week was a Secret Wars list that I, I searched Reddit high and low for some obscure people that people wanted to see in Secret Wars returning legacy cast members. Um, one funny one that I, I really liked writing was Howard the Duck versus Howard the Duck. Um, I, th I think that'd be quite fun. So check that out. Um, that's below. And of course, She-Hulk Figner's Watch. Uh, that's it. That's it. That's all the links. Who wants to go first that week? I'll do it. Oh, wait. Don't. Right. Hold on. Uh, look at the number of this episode, audiences. It is 298, which means our 300th episode is coming up. Episode 300. Just to give you guys the heads up, the topic for that episode will be pre-recorded. Um, there will be a live show, uh, which will just be news and book club. The mm -hmm. topic will be pre-recorded because we are going to be talking in depth on the Neon Genesis Evangelion films, the rebuild of Evangelion films, the four films that he did after the show. That's going to be uh, bookending our two hundred, our two, our two hundreds, because we did the two hundred was the show. Now we're doing the movies, and that uh, there you go. So, was it really two hundred? I thought it was two fifty. Yeah. No, it was two hundred. It's been that long. Hell yeah, <laughs> we are coming all the way back around. I love this. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Like our like our our show review. It will will likely be a long episode, so carve out some time. Oh yeah, and definitely like hey, rewatch all that shit because like yeah. we're gonna go in depth, and you need to know what we're talking about, and we'd like you to be there with us. And that's it. So congratulations, every, everyone here for three hundred episodes. Not Ben. Um, congratulations, everybody, everybody at home. Keep your fingers crossed. Give us good wishes. Hope that Ben actually watches these movies. Yeah, that'd be wild. 
He has had Months. the most apple of ample amount of time, and in true Ben fashion, we'll wait until it's five in the we'll morning. Wait until the last <laughs> moment and drive himself crazy. And what's very funny about this is we've kept because we've had a rough year, collectively speaking, as a show, and um, it, we've skipped a lot of weeks this year, a lot more weeks than we've ever skipped before, mm-hmm. and that kept pushing three hundred back, giving him more time. He's a busy boy. He's got a lot he of is a busy him. boy. Uh, so yeah, so stay tuned. Episode three hundred, just a couple weeks away. I'm excited. Ben had a whole week of vacation where he was stuck at home. So the <laughs> fact that he isn't done with these rebuilds by now is like, he ain't done. He ain't done. It's his problem. Listen, he'll, he will finish them. It'll just be at a really inconvenient time because he waited till last. Yes, that's all. We love you, Ben. We just know you, Ben. <laughs> all right. So Sparks, your week. Oh yeah, I only have two things to talk about. Um, I saw Kimmy. Um, this was the Steven Soderbergh. Uh, filmed with Zoe Kravitz that came out earlier this year on HBO Max. Um, I saw it because it was part of one of my classes. We got to talk to the Foley artist for the film, which was really cool because they're also the Foley artist for um, the Sonic the Hedgehog movies and a bunch of other movies, but also the God of War video games, the most recent ones, the God of War and God of War Ragnarok and also um, Uncharted uh, game. And... um, they're really cool and they did like these fully demonstrations and everything. But Kimmy, super good, tight, 90-minute thriller, really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't talk about it. I forgot to talk about we have a 3,000 Years of Longing review special coming out. And I forgot to mention in there that that was the second movie I'd watched recently. Kimmy was the other one where um, I think they're incorporating the pandemic really well. Mm-hmm. Um, 3,000 Years of Longing just has people who like still want to wear masks and people that don't. They don't make a huge kerfuffle about it it's just like part of the world but i'm glad that when it's like i am kind of relieved to see some films wanting to incorporate rather than pretend like it didn't happen yeah um so incorporating that idea and i think that's how you also normalize like we as a country and and we as a society can be better about utilizing that not just for covid purposes but just if you're sick and you have to go do stuff like you can be respectful of others and just wear a mask Mm -hmm. um Normalizing that idea is cool. Anyway, Kimmy more specifically targets it because Kimmy does specifically take place um, post uh, lockdown, like very recently lockdown ended. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's pretty fresh for everybody. It's uh, it's never stated, but it feels like probably at best like five or six months out from the end of lockdown restriction. So like everybody's still very COVID conscious and thinking about it. Um, and it informs on Zoe Kravitz's character and the situations he's in in a pretty interesting way. And I thought that was cool. Um, there's this sense of isolation for her and the sound design for it is super good. Um, really recommend great movie. Hell yeah. Nice yeah, cool. thriller. The only other thing I want to talk about is I finally, finally watched the last two episodes, last 45 minutes of OKKO OK let's be heroes. And that was really emotional. Um, I don't really mind kind of lightly spoiling um the last uh second to last episode is a uh double length full-blown final battle big thing that they've been culminating to with ko um like all the all the main big plot stuff that's been going on is finally like brought to full fruition at the end of that episode there are still some other things that hang out in the sidelines and in the air but that big thing is like finished in that episode the last episode, which is the last 10 minutes of K- OKKO, okay, is all about KO kind of, he's like 
doing something and then all of a sudden it will play the like opening title card and it'll be a new episode title and events around him will have changed and characters will have changed but ko is experiencing it like it's happening to him in real time so everyone else is moving forward through time into these new adventures but ko is not and ko is confused at first he thinks that someone is doing this to them and he's trying to solve it and he's trying to talk to heroes who deal with time and all these kinds of things to help him solve it and he's like but he's just leapfrogging through his life in all these adventures and he doesn't know how to slow it down or stop it and it ultimately leads to ko recognizing that he just thought there'd be more time uh that life wasn't going to go by so fast that he would get to that that because he was enjoying his time with his friend so much it's just evaporating in front of him and finally ko starts to get a hold of it and slow down and just appreciate what's in front of him and then time starts moving much faster and the episode tiles are coming but now ko is embracing it and so you sit in ko's pov and watch as time moves forward and they basically cover the future lives of all these characters all the way up until the point where ko is an adult at the end and that was such a really powerful way for them to say like we're ending the show prematurely and um we just want to give like all these characters as much due of possible story ideas we ever had and fun gags and all these kinds of things in 10 minutes and it's one of the most emotional 10 minutes i've ever watched in my life sounds amazing that sounds um, great. it was really really good um so i was really really happy to watch it and then just kind of on a like really somber note the ending credits of OKKO OK have always been like cutouts of the main characters of the episode, like little paper cutouts sitting somewhere with Rebecca Sugar's music mm-hmm. for the show. And they're like sitting on a street curb or something. And it's like a really cute, like little fi- fine feeling thing. The ending credits for the last episode are just the sound of the empty Cartoon Network office. Oh, Jesus. And you see it. And that's it. That's rough. Uh, and I was like, jeez. Oh, oh, my God. God. <laughs> um, there were some. There were clearly like a lot of strong feelings about the show ending the way it did and prematurely. And like, even though they got to write an ending, and they clearly did, it was a premature one. Um, and it's other Cartoon Network shows have been ended before their time. Um, OKKO was in the unique position where it was able to like, it took the opportunity to really directly tackle it in both a narrative way and a emotional way for the creators and the characters, which I thought was just really impressive. It's nice that they got to do that. Yeah. Um, it's it genuinely shocks me that I didn't hear more people talking about it when it came out, uh, because I'm like, this is I really like the finale of Adventure Time and the finale of Steven Universe. This is arguably one of the finest cartoon finales I've ever seen, um, just because of what it means for the world. So um, really great show. Uh, really glad I watched it. Oh, yes. You made me sad again because I don't think we're getting that Fiona and Cake show now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. probably not no but you can play as cake and multiverse i don't know you have like the best shot of getting that of all the other cartoon network projects they cancel because adventure time always like creates buzz and makes money That's true. and merchandise buzz so like life. i don't know you have the best chance of that one amongst like the gumball movie or anything else that that would be up there buzz 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 um how about i go next sure. yeah um i don't have a lot um, I do want to touch on She-Hulk a little bit. I was not on the episode uh, due to personal reasons, um, but I did watch three and four and I, I quite liked them. I thought they were very funny. Um, I've not seen five yet, which is the latest episode that's out. I haven't seen that yet. Um, I thought episode three was was, was wild because we, this is the first time we've ever seen a light elf in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I was just I just never expected that to be in She-Hulk. I thought so that was weird. Um, 
but episode three also has my favorite joke, which Ben ruined, uh, which is the only reason why I'm bringing this up because it's 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 the it's in the twerking thing. And everyone everyone online is talking about all oh, the twerking thing, defending the twerking thing, whatever. The end of that video is my favorite joke in the show so far, which is like, I will kill for you, Megan Thee Stallion. And she just goes, dial it back. <laughs> and I just thought I just cackled for 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 minutes after that. I just thought that was so damn funny. How did make it? How, sorry, how did Ben ruin that joke? Because he he said he he said it as a threat. He said that she was saying so like Megan Thee Stallion sold, said as a threat to to like hey dial it back. Yeah, but it's not. She's just kind of like, like okay ease it off ease it off. Oh, I see I see. And I just thought it's a slight difference, but it bugged me. Um, episode four was also great. Great show. I'm happy with it. Donnie Blaze. I agree. Um. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the 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 uh, fourth wall break at the end of episode four was very good. Where she's just like, "What what what a bad note to end this episode on." I'm sure it'll be a fun tag. Um, okay, Quantum Leap. I've been watching a bit more of Quantum Leap. Um, although I did kind of lose steam a little bit because of um, this isn't in the news, uh, but Scott Bakula kind of put the record straight, saying that um, he is not returning for this new show. In any capacity, oh, his blame. His wording was very, pretty, was pretty final. Like, you're not gonna see. He was like, like preparing people. Like, you're not seeing. Yeah, don't expect a cameo. Like, don't. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah. So I did kind of. I was kind of a bummer because like, I was interested in the show when they said it was a sequel series, looking for uh, Doctor Beckett, which is what Cop Beckett's character, and so like that got me pretty excited for the show, regardless of like how good the trailer was like, oh, we're finally going to get that wrap up that we never got in the original show. And when he said that, I was like, All right, I'm going to, I'm going to wait a bit. I'll, I'll slow down a bit on my quantum leap rewatch and, and I'll wait to see the buzz on the new show. Cause the, the you know, we talked about it last week, the trailer was not great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I was going to uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I was pretty direct about like, the only thing I can see a value at the, from just from the trailer was like, yeah, if you're quantum leap invested in this is following up on that story, then cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if it's not even doing that, then I'm like, I don't know what they're doing here. Right. And it's still a sequel series. It is still the next, it is still set in the same world. And so like, but if you're not going to see them, who gives a shit? Right. Exactly. Like just reboot the series, just make a complete new, th- a new quantum leap th- thing. It's an evergreen concept. You can do it whenever you don't need to do it as a sequel series. So um, I I really like the show, though. I'm uh, I watched my favorite episode so far, which is this one where he leaps into a guy playing uh, Don uh, playing. Not Don Quixote, the guy who plays Don Quixote in Man of La Mancha. Never mind. Um, he, he's the lead in Man of La Mancha. Um, and it's kind of like this idea. The recent. That- the recent one no no this is okay. old okay um he was he's the lead in man of la mancha um in a production of man of la mancha and he meets and and somehow he his leap has coincided with his old piano teacher when he was 15 years old who he like had a huge crush on like fell in love with now he's in the body of someone who knew her who had, rom- had a romantic relationship with her and so he's like oh god put me here to rekindle this love he put but, me in a different body so i could bang this woman yeah pretty much um, <laughs> okay. um 
Sounds the gross optics, when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> the optics on it for 2022 are not great. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, but the, yeah, seriously. But the idea of like, he, he, so he's like really stubborn about this. He's like, I'm, I'm not like, I keep living other people's lives. I don't get a life of my own. That's not fair. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't, it's kind of the drama that I've been waiting for to seep into the show of like, this kind of sucks. I have given up my entire life. I will never have a normal life. I will always be other people correcting their mistakes and then going off into other people. Maybe this is my way of finally having a life. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And Al is like, no, you're actually here to stop that guy from falling and breaking his neck. Um, he's So he's like, well, I'm just going to let him break his neck then. Maybe I'll never leave. It turns out he does the right thing anyway. And then he gets to do a performance of Man of La Mancha. And, um, and it's kind of like he, through that performance, because he realizes that his story is very Don Quixote like um, with Al being like his Sancho. And so like he's talking. And so like by the end of that story doing the play, he's like, you know what? This is a good deed I'm doing. I'm, I'm writing wrongs. I'm making people's lives better. This is okay. I'm okay. Um, and I, I really like that episode. I had to I had to skip an episode to get there, which was one where he leaped into a kid uh, who's severely mentally challenged. I remember that the clip. Yeah, yeah. it's on Twitter. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different time. That show is very good natured. It is very yeah. much. It's very much not not got a, a cynical bone in its body. It does not want to. You know, it's very much like you know, on the right side of history. But sometimes it that one was, that one wasn't a good idea. Oopsies. Uh, so I skipped that one. I had a lot of Quantum Leap fans very upset with me about that. Like, oh, it's actually a good episode at the time. It's like, that's great, man. That's sure great. It can still be a, a, a good television episode. I'll, maybe I'll watch it eventually. But I I did was not into the idea of an able person walking around in a disabled person's body. Yeah. Anyway, a good show. I'm bummed about the new show. Uh, but, you know, I hope for the best. As uh, as Scott Bakula said in his, in his Twitter thread, happy leaping. Uh, and then the final thing I'll talk about is I watched earlier today. I watched See How They Run, the the um, Sam Rockwell, Sasha Ronan, Who Done It. Right. I keep forgetting. I do want to see that. Yeah, it's pretty good. someday. It's pretty good. It's not as funny as the trailers make it out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's uh, I I did enjoy it. It's um a good it's a it's a good mur- it's a good murder mystery, and I really like Sam Rockwell and Sasha Ronan in it. Sasha Ronan steals the show. She's fantastic. Um, the whole cast is great. It's, I had a lot of fun with that one. That's pretty much all I can really say on that, though. Cool. That's my week. My, me, my turn. And I actually did a fair bit, which is exciting. It's because I don't got a job anymore, and I moved. It's nice. Um, let's start with the beginning of the week, so that I can help me track of everything that I did. I started with Spooky Season. So I rewatched Evil Dead 2013 for the first time since 2013. Um, so it's been almost a decade. And y'all, that movie still slaps, still Is this rips. The regular cut or the extended? Ooh, I, I, I couldn't. I don't remember. I couldn't tell you. I, it was whatever was available for me. Um, still really good. I forgot how 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 brutal that movie is, and like it really, I think is one. It is one of the best remakes of all time, alongside Fright Night, where I think it stands next to the original while while paying homage, but also still doing its own thing. Um, I think. I think the violence is like so extreme and it feels so brutal in a way that's so different from Evil Dead while still being Evil Dead. Um, and the twist or the quote unquote twist of like, 
who the hero of the movie, I remember who the hero was, but like that entire movie, it's flipping on who you think the hero of the movie is because your main character is kind of out of commission for a lot of the movie. And that's, I forgot how, how awesome that finale is and how literally it's raining blood. And I'm like, this is the sickest thing I've seen in my entire life. Um, until the next movie I saw. Um, I saw in theaters, Barbarian. Um, Barbarian is a movie by Zach Krieger, who is one of the whitest kids you know, a uh, great comedian. Um, we saw this trailer, and this is a trailer where a lady goes to an Airbnb, and oh, somebody else uh, rented at the same time. Confusing. That's all we know about the movie. They don't tell you anything else about the movie, and that's beautiful, because this is this year's Malignant. It is, it is, oh my God, I, I can't get into hyperbole, uh, but like, it's so it's so weird and gross, not in the way you think you would go. And like, it's it's the first movie in a long time that gave me from *Dust Till Dawn* vibes, where you think it's a type of movie, then it's not that movie anymore. And I'm like, I can't believe this movie came out and it's getting such good reviews. And it was the number one movie in America, even though it's really low budget, so it still counts. Um, I think it's awesome. Um, so this is just a roundabout way of you telling us this was a stealth Conan the Barbarian movie. Yes, it was. <laughs> Man, that'd be sick. Actually, that would be really sick. <laughs> it, just, it ends up being Conan shows up. But um, yeah, it's got a lot of great twists and turns. Um, it's really fun. It's really funny. Like, again, like Malignant. Like, it's it's like, God, like Zach Krieger, like, just like Jordan Peele. Like, that dude has such a mastery of timing. But but like, this is funnier than than Get Out or Nope or, <clears throat> or, or Us. Like, I think, it, I think it's almost as good as those movies, but it's funnier. Um, so like, I am just so impressed that like, this is like his big, like, Hey, I'm going to make a horror movie. And it's insane and radical and completely original. Um, I loved it. I absolutely adored it. Uh, can't wait for y'all to check it out. Um, I played a lot of Fortnite because I had to get me some, some DV. I had to give me some Darth Vader. And I also got Indiana Jones, which I wasn't expecting, but I got a man sexy Indiana Jones. So thank you for that sparks. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Um, um, oh man, I also did something else, but I forgot. Oh, I, the, the thing I spent the last three days doing. That's right. I was going to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, I started to play Cyberpunk 2077 again for completely, for no reason at all. Um, I'm about 10 hours into that game. Um, I, I played that game for 30 hours seven months ago. And I stopped playing that game because a little indie game came out called Elden Ring. <laughs> and I remember like, why did I stop playing this beautiful game? It's because Elden Ring came out and it took 200 hours of my life. So I'm back. I created a new character. Because Cyberpunk Edge Raiders came out, and that's probably going to be my number one show of the year. Um, y'all, the hype is real. Like I, again, hyperbole. Like I, there's nothing I could say that you probably haven't already heard or would assume with a studio trigger, high budget animation um, from Netflix. Um, it's it's hands down, besides Premiere, which is a movie, so the budget is higher. It is the best thing Studio Trigger's ever made in terms of animation. Um, it is it is so wholly unique while still being so cyberpunk, like it might be the, the, the best synergy between properties of a medium I've seen in my entire life, like for real. Um, everything, and again, because I've been playing the game, every single aspect of that game is in that anime. When the hackers are hacking other people, the hacking game shows up on screen. When they do the voice calls, the voice thing that pops up exactly like it. All the weapons and the, and the, and the, and the environments, like every single location I've been to, uh, it's, it's surreal. It's really crazy. Um, the only thing that made me think of this was like Winter Soldier after seeing like, um, Winter Soldier, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like that kind of perfect synergy is how I'm feeling about this. Uh, like characters are showing up, things are happening in the game that I'm seeing in the anime and vice versa. And I'm like, this is truly incredible. Like one of the final bosses of the, of the anime is in, is the final boss of the game. Like it's, it's, it's truly spectacular. Um, 
The characters are top notch. Uh, the violence is is even better than I expected. But what really gets me is it gets the the emotional the emotional aspects of cyberpunk that really hits hard. It's about like, it's like living in Gotham city. Gotham city is the worst place in the world. But as long as you have people who love you, you're like, you'll be okay. Uh, imagine Batman wasn't there. And it's just like, it's like Gotham city. Everyone's shitty. It's, it's like almost like game of Thrones where everyone is an aspect of shitty. Just how, what ask, but how on the curve are you of shitty? Like cause li- living in night city, it's like, it's, it's living in like a prison that you have to survive in, but everyone's all roided out, mecked out, chromed out. Um, uh, the aesthetics of cyberpunk are so cool and i know i'm rambling but i don't care because i love it so much um uh, it's i i can't believe that this is a 10 episode like 20 30 minute uh a show where it only gets better and better there's not a single drop in quality um and like i was i was full-on sobbing by the end of the show which i was not expecting um it's just it's so it's so it's so beautiful it's such a beautiful show um and it, it's not just violence for violence sake it does get to the emotional core of what makes cyberpunk cool it's about like thriving in hell that's what cyberpunk is about it's like it's about like surviving with your homies in a place that's unsurvivable um and the show gets that to a t that team the crew you meet in that show you will love them and you will be sad when things happen to them i i'm so thrilled the show exists um i'm probably gonna watch it again and again and again uh i i i am thrilled i i couldn't stop watching it and i don't i don't like binging things anymore but it was so good and also, like, there wasn't a lot to either to go on because it was really loud upstairs. So I had to. I, I have a, uh, I have a question about it. No spoilers. I've never would. So if you, if, if, so if you can avoid it, is there a potential for more by the end of the show, or is this it? No, that's a well. Yeah, no, well, okay. This is a particular story about a particular group of people. And the whole it's just like Dungeons and Dragons. Every story is a different group of characters. So season two will be probably, if there's season two, completely different characters, can follow these characters. Right. Uh, that's the thing. Like it's more about the world, and each each season could be a brand new character. Like you could follow these characters, but like their story, their story has a has a finale to it. That's what I was th- uh, that's what I was wondering because normally Trigger doesn't go back. You know, yeah. they Gurren Logan had its thing, it ended. Kill a Kill had its thing, it ended. And I was curious if Cyberpunk, because Cyberpunk has as much low, as much lesser episode count as uh, the previous shows. I was curious if they if they've if they are gonna go back to that to that world because of that, or if they're like, oh we we did our thing, we're good. So they absolutely could, because again, like the the synergy of like Night City, the thing about Night City is like you you go there to become a legend. Like you wanna be the coolest edge runner, the biggest mercenary, like you are about becoming famous. Um, so like characters that show up in the anime show up in the game. So like there is plenty of people who can show up again and stuff, but like, um, just, there's a lot of murder too. So like, <laughs> if <I'm>... not every... <laughs> sorry, real quick. Also real, like cyberpunk is, is about tragedy too. Like most, most cyberpunk stories are tragic. Not, not saying this one is, but there is an, there is a sense of tragedy where like most stories you want to die in, in, in night city. Like you, you, your goal is to become a legend to have a name drink, uh, a drink named after you in Night City. Like that, you go there to die. It's better to burn out than to fade away. Is like the slogan of Night City. Um, so like people can come back, but like nobody wants to. They want they go there to die, kinda, which is mm-hmm. insane. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, if I were to hypothesize in response to Brand's question, mm-hmm. um, Studio Trigger might make a second season, but it's very unlikely Imaishi would. Okay, he almost never goes back for sequels. Yeah, or follow-ups. Um, he pretty much never does. So um, I wouldn't expect if Trigger continued, I wouldn't expect him to be running. It. And the dude, the, the directing is is so insane. Like there are there are so many insane shots where I'm like, 
Like, yeah, if he if he doesn't come back, then like you there's you can't do it. He, <laughs> this is such this is such high fidelity animation that like Netflix has never seen before. That I'm like, you have to bring it at all levels at all times, or else you can't even attempt it ever again. I mean, this was also pretty much the not. I'm sure it's not the first time, but it's like the most high profile time that Netflix has actually worked with a Japanese anime studio. Normally, they outsource from Korea, China, yeah, yeah. Any, anywhere else. This is the first. This is one of the first times that they were like. This is this is why it shocked me so much that it was triggers. Like this is real anime. Like you're yeah. not just making a, an American anime show that's gonna have tons of whatever, like got like a Blood of Zeus or or, or Castlevania. This is a this is a real anime. Go to Dragon Blood kind of stuff like 3D animation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was watching a uh, CD Project Red. The developers of the game are in Poland, so I was watching one of their executives, executive producers, who worked on the show, do a live stream on Twitch, and he was talking about how. This is one of the most uh, cohesive and um, uh, uh, what's the word like like compatible uh, 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 crossovers he's ever worked on. People in Poland, in the United States, and in Japan all are work. If you watch the credits, the opening credits of this, there are so many names working on this thing. Um, like the creator of the show is an American, but it's made by Trigger and the scripts by Trigger. But it's all done by like Polish like uh, like developers like t- telling them this is what cyberpunk's about. So it's I've never seen so much synergy between like companies work like this. Like it's almost like like a Kingdom Hearts where like everyone is working so hard to make this beautiful thing come together. And I'm like, Cyberpunk 2077 right now is more popular than it's ever been. Uh, it's beating multiplayer game. It has like more it has more players than Halo Infinite does, and it's a single player game that was broken two years ago. This is a No Man's Sky situation, and I'm like I am so thrilled. And like CD Projekt Red is, is a developer that like they shit the bed, but like just like No Man's Sky, they're fixing it and they're actively making the game better and better. And I'm so happy that like they're getting they're getting their dues because like this is one of the greatest not just anime this is one of the greatest shows ever made. Like like every episode is like a piece of art. Um, and I'm just I'm so thrilled that like again when you hear Netflix like the quality of Netflix can go up or down, but like th- this gives me hope that like if Netflix can do this, then like really they can do anything if they put their mind to it. I was, uh, I tweeted this. I haven't started Edge Runners yet and I'm bummed about it, but I just wasn't in the mindset mm-hmm. this week. But like, there's a, there's a specific feeling that, 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 that the, that, that, uh, in, 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 uh, the director, I can't pronounce his name right now. Um, Imaishi gives me when I'm watching his projects, um, uh, Promare, remember how my feelings while watching Promare Sparks, I'm sure. Um, just sobbing in the middle of the movie but like i get such a a such a such a specific feeling that i kind of just want to live in that feeling i've been craving that feeling Mm -hmm. again um and the the best the the best thing that i think trigger ever gifted me was the star wars visions short the twins because that that is that feeling that i can just get in 10 minute hits anytime i want just like hit me baby yeah i i I love the world of cyberpunk so much and the aesthetic and this like the, like it's, it's such a unique and like really brutal world to live in. And like, those are generally like the worlds I like to live in, like where people have to fight to live. Cause like that really brings out like the emotion and like the raw intensity of things. And I'm just like, like you have to be like to live in night city again. It's like living in Gotham, but worse where like even no one is there to save you. Like you have to save yourself. Even the people you like are out to get you. Um, it's just like money rules, rules the world, but like when you got friends, it's all you need. And like, it's so, there's such powerful, again, I'm only 10 hours into the game again, but like, there are such powerful moments that like the anime is recapturing in, in a 10th of the time. Like, you know, in a couple hours, like I'm so invested in these characters and like, I just living in Night City, like knowing what's going to happen to half of these people. It's just like, it's almost inevitable. 
And like, really, the, my last thing I'll say about it, the thing that is so incredible about both what the game and the and the anime are doing is the when you play a video game, you know, you level up in power, you get stronger and stronger. In Night City, like you activate, like the more chrome you get, like uh, the better guns you get, you become more powerful, you become more legendary, like your status grows. In the in the anime, you see these characters grow in status, grow in power, physically change, mentally change, like you see them evolve as characters over time. And it's like, man, like this, what the city does to people, does to the best of people, to the worst of people. It's, it's when, when, when an artist can grasp that concept and really give into it, like it's, it's the greatest thing of all time. It's why I love like things like, again, like Westworld, like, like hardcore sci-fi. Um, it is my, it is my jam, my bread and butter and like, God, Trigger like killed it. They made one of the greatest animes of all time. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. Oh, the English stuff. I had to, because, um, I, I would actually recommend it because Night City takes place in California and there's a lot of English, uh, Japanese slang that is specific to English, like dialogue. So I'd recommend that. But like Japanese is probably really good too, but I had to go to the English. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned bread and butter. So speaking of bread and butter. And that was like a half hour shorter than it usually takes. It's all Ben's fault. <laughs> <laughs> half hour with his week. I can go back to Cyberpunk. <laughs> um, sad news up top. Uh, Jean-Luc Godard. Uh, world famous, world renowned fantastic French director mm-hmm. passed away at the age of 91. Ooh. I, I, he doesn't, he hasn't really, he doesn't really live in the genre world like we do, but like he's such a important filmmaker. There's such a mm-hmm. legend that I just, I knew we had to bring it up and just pay tribute to him. Yeah. You can't even like kind of brush up against film, film school without learning about this yeah. guy. 91. Yeah. Hell yeah. I was like, how old is that dude? That's been around forever. A long way. I assume I thought he was dead already. I, so I, honestly, I honestly thought he was just because, like, I don't, I don't. He's not someone I like think about often. Damn, he hasn't done anything long, long life that people have talked about in a while. So, um, yeah, film legend, baby, incredible films. Thank you, Jean. Jean Luc Godard. All right, comic book news then. Yes. Oh, Scarlet Witch. Yes, is getting an ongoing series out in January. This will be written by Steve Orlando with art by Sarah Pacelli. Oh, Sarah uh, Pacelli. Ooh, she did she did Miles Morales mm-hmm. with Bendis. Ooh. Uh, basically, the, the plot is that Wanda is going to, now having been reformed after the trial of Magneto, um, he, she, she, sorry, Wanda, um, is going to help those in need um, uh, with the mysterious witchcraft shop. Uh, a door that only appears to people who who are in desperate need, and she is now the caretaker of it. So she's Doctor Who. Hmm. I guess so. Yeah, she's magic Doctor Who. It sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love Steve Orlando, and Sarah Pacelli is insanely talented artist. Uh, so I will absolutely pick up this number one. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for having number one again. And then Tales from Earth 6 will be a one-shot to celebrate Stan Lee's 100th birthday, coming from DC Comics. Earth Six, for those of you who don't know, is is Dan Lee's Just Imagine universe. Dan Lee had a stint where he basically took the names of superhero of DC superheroes and completely rearranged re- reimagined them as he would have done them, just with the name as a basis. What if Batman was a man bat? Right, exactly. Um, I think this is no, that's tangent. The Flash was tangent. Um, Superman was like kind of a, a demon etrigan kind of character. Like he would like turn into. Anyway. I like his Green Lantern one. The, the new Green Lantern look is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I have the omnibus. I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet, but 
anyway so it's going to so so it's just you know it's going to be kind of dc honoring in their own way stanley's 100th birthday with um mark wade jerry ordway ken mm-hmm. blake porter michael conrad and becky clunan zach thompson stephanie williams and steve orlando and much more to be announced later cool that's fun that's a really yeah. fun idea I thought so too. I just didn't. I never thought they'd actually go back to that world. Yeah. Um, I th- I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. The Strangers. Are you guys familiar with the Strangers? Absolutely. Uh, well, it's getting a a three movie remake trilogy from Lionsgate. Apparently, this is a terrible thing. I so that news immediately. I say yes, but continue. Um. The first film will be set in a secluded Airbnb. And that's all I know. Is there more? Yeah, the director. Oh, who's the director? I didn't Randy see Randy Harlan, who did uh, the really bad Hercules movie that wasn't The Rock's Hercules. He did, uh, uh, he did Treasure Island, the biggest box office bomb from the 90s. He did uh, Cliffhanger in the 90s, which is pretty good. But um, he's not really a big horror director. He's mostly made bad movies. So I think this is really weird that they're giving him an entire trilogy to remake The Strangers. I love the idea. Don't like him at all. Yeah, Lionsgate doesn't really make the best of decisions, quite honestly. I, I found that shocking that his name, like, give it to an in, like, it's like an indie guy, like an indie filmmaker. Like, why why are we giving it to a bad director? Um, I'm glad. All I care about is that it would be, like, I, I don't need it. Yeah. Uh, Ryan has not seen Strangers Pray at Night, so I won't reveal anything about it. But um, Strangers Pray at Night has a sense of closure to the story revolving around the family. Finality. Um, and I very much love Strangers and Strangers Pray at Night side by side with each other. I think they tell a full story I really like. Yeah. And I did not need more. So I'm yeah, glad I'm it's... Gonna go back to the well. I'm glad they're going back to the well anew. Yeah. But I also, if it's like not good, I don't need it. I don't care. I just don't. Do we know, do we know the writer by any chance yet? Uh, oh, sorry. I was looking at this guy's horrible filmography. <laughs> it's yeah. really not good. Yeah. All right. Let's see. The Strangers, uh, writers, Alan R. Cohen and Alan Friedland. Let's see what they've done. Because, you know, uh, they could, they could, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a good script. Who knows? Looks like mostly TV writers written for things like American Dad, Guys with Kids, did write the movie Due Date. Okay. Zach Galifianakis and um that's fun yeah oh this, I guy, just... created, this guy created the nanny the, from the 80s the 90s the 90s. Fran Drescher was the 90s. <laughs> yeah yeah and then yeah this guy's like his partner that he's he's just been partnered with for a couple of years oh, that's cool I do agree Sparks I'm glad it is an original thing but like having that director does not give me any confidence whatsoever yeah well you know if they shit the bed it's not like uh they they sullied the name sold like <laughs> drag the franchise into the mud like you'll still have those two perfectly good original yeah, films absolutely he did deep blue sea deep blue sea is pretty good all right i'll give him deep blue sea fine Ranny, uh, deep blue sea is pretty good all right the karate kid it's in the news cobra kai you think a new movie is in development a new karate kid movie is in development which will be unrelated to Cobra Kai when no one knew that until the, the showrunner of Cobra Kai was like, yeah, we are not, we have That's no, we have, we're not doing anything with that. So he said specifically, none of the Cobra Kai team are working on it. 
and that seems to imply the cast as well, but that's it not, seems, you know, the wording it, there. It seems like they're like the studio's just trying to capitalize on Cobra Kai. Yeah, it's extremely shitty. But they have Cobra Kai. That's the thing. That's the thing. Well, when, yeah. I, when, I, when I read this, I was when I read this, I was so shocked. I was like, it, well, because like they're not. To be fair, like they're not saying if it's a sequel to the Karate Kid or if they're not saying it's like a a, 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 a sequel reboot. to Cobra a reboot or like a sequel to Cobra Kai. Is this like what we're what they did with the my, my that's what you described to me smells reboot. Like they feel like people have Karate Kid on the mind. Let's do our own fresh one because we got the yeah. old the old farts back. Yeah, they did say it's described as a return to the Karate Kid franchise. That's the that's like the mm. quote, the pull quote. And I'm like, again, you have that. It's a very successful Netflix show. It's extremely successful. That's weird. Yeah, I feel like maybe some producers like, can we do that without them? Right. Yeah. Honestly, if anything, I mean, look, I like the I like the Karate Kid remake a lot. I think it's a great movie. Um, so I guess if you want to remake it, fine. All oh, right, that did come out. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I really like that movie. Mm. Uh, I just not sure what the point of doing this is when you've got Cobra Kai on the air. Uh, some people are speculating that season six will be the end of Cobra Kai. I'm not so sh- I'm not so convinced, quite honestly. Um, e- uh, even if it was six seasons, is a lot for it's not bad. right. And that would be like that would be that would coincide with where this movie w- has its release date. So I guess maybe they're looking towards like what would what would be the end of Cobra Kai. Yeah, I don't know. This is just weird. It's weird. Star Wars: The Acolyte has cast Manny Jacinto, uh, who played Jason in The Good Place. Oh yeah, um, he is. He's joined the. He's joined an all person of color cast, right? Dude, Good I work. love Jason. That guy is so funny. Me too. I'm so stoked. Yeah, the, the, no whiteies. No whiteies in this cast yet. Hell yeah. Did you see him? I know he's got a blink and you miss it cameo in a, a Top Gun Maverick. He's one of the pilots. Oh yeah, all right, cool. Okay. Um, and then Avengers: The Kang Dynasty. We've got a writer. Hell yeah! Uh, is this is Dustin Daniel Cretton directing this one, right? Correct, as far as we know. Um, Jeff Loveness will write this. Writer of Ant Man three and many many great comic books. Well, that makes sense then. Yep, hundred percent makes sense. That's awesome. That God, I just retweeted, but uh, uh. There's like a robot chicken thing. Um, oh, that's Deadpool. Never mind, it's a different person. Um, but I'm still really, really excited. This is great. I'm just really excited to see an Avengers film not written by Marcus and yes. or Whedon. I'm so stoked that we have again, like even though like Just Whedon sucks, like I love when comic book writers get to write comic book movies. Um, so like, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for that. Yeah, I am very happy. He's been he's a writer on Rick and Morty. Um, like you said, he's writing Ant Man three. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm happy with this. I'm I was just really glad it wasn't Christopher uh, Christopher McFeely and Steve Marcus or whatever the hell. In, I would have been really shocked if, if. Well, we'll we'll see what they we'll see if it's Secret Wars. We'll see. God, I King Dynasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. King Dynasty. Like, I think safe. And I think Sparks was right. Like because what they're talking about, how King Dynasty leads, like directly is influenced by Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Like it makes sense that that writer would carry over. Because they are they are planting the seeds now they can pay off the seeds. I think I think good. very much like whatever your current take on how they're doing the MCU may be. Um, Kevin Feige doesn't seem very interested in like doing anything that feels too too old or familiar. Yeah. And I would say that would be like 
Marcus and McFeely have four Marvel movies under their belt. They pretty much owned the tone of the later part of the Infinity Saga. I mean, they are the Infinity. Five. Right. The end of the Infinity Saga. They have five because they also wrote the first Captain America. I'm sorry. I forgot that. So they, they've they been there from the beginning. Oh, damn. Yeah, they run, they run five films through that franchise. So they, they own the tone of a lot of it. Tone uh, owners. And I'm happy to leave that tone behind and give room for other writers because frankly, I don't really like the way they wrote a lot of the characters when they did Avengers films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that means, um, Chris McKenna, who wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp, is not coming back for... Yeah, he also wrote Spider-Man No Way Home. That's too bad, but I like Jeff Loveness, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Warner Brothers Discovery News, but it's not all bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was some... Yeah. I just needed a way to clump all this stuff together, and so I just kind of... Whatever. Blade Runner... The follow-up series to Blade Runner 2049. Cyberpunk. Titled Blade Runner 2099. We heard that people were shopping this. Like they were interested in making this. Uh, It has now been officially greenlit at Amazon Prime. Hell yeah. 50 years in the future, baby. Interesting place. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I guess Zaslav doesn't like money. (laughs) It's just weird. It's always weird to me, the shows that end up the, the Warner Brothers show, well, I guess any streaming service, truthfully, but I think Warner Brothers does this the most, where it's like there's streaming, they have streaming shows that aren't on their streaming service. Like they still farm out shows to Apple TV Plus, which is Ted Lasso, to uh, Blade Runner 2049, which uh, was the, uh, 2029, which they've given to Amazon. Every, the every Monster Universe CW shows. Show, every CW show, for the most part, to Netflix. Yeah, um, which was a long-standing deal, but like still kind of weird once they had HBO Max. The mm-hmm. Kong show on uh, on Netflix or the uh, the Godzilla show on Apple TV Plus, like the Kong show on Disney. The Kong <laughs> show on Disney. I thought Warner Brothers. No, like, I, know, I know. Giving that out. No, I know. Uh, but anyway, so Blade Runner twenty ninety nine is officially happening with Ridley Scott producing. Uh, Silka Lu- Luisa is going to serve as the showrunner. Mm, what have you done before? Hmm, let me see. I'm going to look this up. You continue. Yeah, I should have also looked that one up, but you, you, you do that. More years in the future. Hell yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stoked that we're going to continue the Blade Runner franchise. I really like 2049. Um, oh, no. Oh, no? Silka Luisa, who has worked on Halo. Oh. Damn. No, don't do this to me. Stay away. <laughs> That show's really Blade bad. Guys. Perfect. There's two. There's a perfect movie and somehow an even perfect sequel. You can't. You can't dilute this. You can't. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I guess, I guess, I haven't heard anything about Lotus Blade Runner Lotus, the anime. I heard. I watched the first episode. It was alright. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Out there, right? I did also read the first episode. It's true that it was alright. <laughs> um, the yeah, live action like, Blade you're Runner. Like, you're like Blade Runner pilled. So if like they didn't yeah. keep you, then how alright is alright? That's true. I have a friend um, who uh, talked about the announcement of Halo season two starting to film, and he was just, and he was just like, "Oh, it, it, this is the worst betrayal that ever happened." Whatever. He took Halo series really hard, and I was like, "You didn't watch the whole show, did you?" And he has not answered me, and I'm really concerned about him because I'm like, "If you hate it, I didn't watch the whole show. I did not finish season one." If good, some people please, hate watch. people are hate watchers. Brandon was for a bit, and we were like, "Brandon, you just gotta stop." There was the episode. The, there was an episode. There's this girl that they introduced. This original character they introduced called Quan, who I've heard some shit about, but whatever. But um, she was this. She's this like uh, the cub character to his to his lone wolf, 
And it turned, and there was one episode that started, and I realized very quickly that this episode was all centered on her, so it doesn't have Master Chief at all. And I was like, I'm good. Halo. I turned Halo. it off. You know, when you go for Halo. And I never went back. I just, why? 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 Those games, not, the games will always be there. I am not upset that the Halo show is not a direct adaptation of the games. What I am perturbed by that is, bad. is that <laughs> is that it doesn't decide to use any of the external material of the vast amount of books and lore that have been used to build Halo that fans love. It's the anti-edge runner. Went, no, we're not <laughs> doing any oh, of that. Oh, lore? No. And Master Cheek? Butt cheeks. That's that's the part that gets me is because I'm like, most video game shows, it feels like, should be some amount of... We're really away from Blade Runner 2099, but now... Just no information um, about it. Uh, it. It feels like, unless it's something where it is, like, The Last of Us. Like, the game is story. Mm-hmm. And just a very clear story. It's practically a film as a game. Yep. Unless it's that, any adaptation feels like it should be building out from the world of the game, rather than trying to adapt directly the world of the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Especially a television show. I feel the same way about the Horizon show we've talked about a few months ago. That's weeks ago. That's going to Amazon where I'm like, that's got to, that's, that's got to like be on the external. It should not be trying to directly adapt. I haven't even played that game. And I'm like, it should not try to directly adapt the story. Which they said that they are, which is a problem. Yeah, it should have yeah. just been an original story in the world. It's, it's just when you, when you, when you started the show, there, there are things that, with an adaptation, there are things that I'm like, there are there are fundamental parts of an adaptation that makes the story work that if you don't adapt those, you're kind of starting to lose the audience. And then when you start to kind of, the further you go away from those elements, the further you are away from the thing that people enjoy about the thing that you're adapting. And Halo just, the moment, the first episode just goes so far away from it. And like, I, I remember, I remember it, the, Halo has a lot of problems. The Halo TV series has a lot of problems and I do not, I'm I'm not interested in ever going back to that show to see if they are ever resolved. But the fundamental problem, when I boiled it down to the issue that I had specifically was the relationship between Cortana and Master Chief was was inherently hostile. And for me, that's a really important aspect of that lore, of that story, of that game, is the relationship between Master Chief and Cortana. And when mm-hmm. you have made it a hostile relationship where they... Quite honestly, she can control him. He has no reason to trust him. I heard that the that the episode that the season ended with her in control of his body, and he's just dead. Ooh, spoilers! Ooh. And so, like, I looked at it, like I looked at that, but I, I go, no, there's no way that I will ever be okay with this. Yeah, I think that um, if you're doing like a Master Chief centric story, then like the relationship with Cortana is key, and I think most fans would say that you could do stories that are more external to master chief and be interesting again lore exists um people will say like where's the line on adaptation though in comparison to what brandon's saying on like adapting certain things and how do you make sure you're not violate and i'll tell you it's sonic the hedgehog one that's the line they 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 took a lot of curves and zags away from adapting the material because they didn't have faith in it but they kept it just on the right side enough of knowing what Sonic was yeah. to pull it off. Every property, and Brandon, like you were talking about, every property has like hard rules and soft rules, especially mm-hmm. comic books. So they're like, you know, comic books are always evolving. There are soft rules on characters. That stuff can get edged down. But there are hard, like Batman killing. That's a hard rule. Batman doesn't yeah. kill. That's just fundamental. Like, does Batman 
does Batman like uh, uh, use children soldiers? Depends on the story and how the writers are influenced by it. That's a different aspect. But Batman does not kill, right? There are different there are different ways to adapt things. But like, just from what I've seen at that Halo show, I'm like, don't even call it Halo. Yeah. Don't even just don't even call it Halo. It was so bad. I have don't nightmares still. <laughs> All right. It's Speaking okay. of- It'll be better just like Picard. It has to be. I won't watch it. <laughs> I fit like I finished Picard season one, and I, and I was and the, the I was like, yeah, okay, cool, but I won't, I won't go back. What's to happen, Brandon, is we're gonna get a season two trailer, and it will look better because they'll figure some shit out, and then you go, well, maybe, and then the, people say the first episode's good, then you'll come back, and then it'll end up being shit again. The thing is, like, honestly, like you, you've you've lost me because Master Chief had sex on Halo Ring. Um, before they even got to the Halo Ring, the Halo Ring is not in in season one. In season two, sp- supposedly it's it's there, and like, cool. All right, you're gonna have the Halo Ring, and and you're actually gonna be set on Halo. Cool. You've already lost me though. I don't care. I don't care about the journey to get to the Halo ring. And that's the one that you spent the, you spent eight episodes on that. And I don't give a shit. Yeah. Anyway, Constantine, speaking of adaptations. Yeah, Peter's still in there. <laughs> All right. So Constantine, um, I'll, I'll kind of give some background a little bit on JJ Abrams signed a massive deal with, with bad robot, uh, bad robot and Warner brothers signed a massive deal to develop shows for HBO max shows and movies. Mostly we were hearing centered around the justice league dark characters. Uh, there was a Constantine rumored casting. There was a show. There's a Madam Xanadu show uh, in the works. There was a Justice League dark movie that was kind of bouncing around everywhere. Nothing came of this for five years. Mm-hmm. Nothing came of this deal. And we and this is also the deal that also gave us the Ta-Nehisi Coates Superman movie that might be changed into a white Superman movie, but we don't know for sure about that. Given Zaslav's tenure, who knows? Well, anyway, the Constantine and Madame Xanadu shows that were kind of the furthest along that we were hearing about are done. They're not happening anymore, uh, at least at HBO Max. Of course. They're going to be shopped around to other networks, other streaming oh, okay. services. That's fine. So there's there's hope there. But Warner Brothers did greenlight a sequel to the 2005 Constantine movie starring Keanu Reeves with Francis Lawrence returning to direct and Akiva Goldsman writing the script. And clearly Peter Stormare in it. Yes, and clearly Peter Stormare. We talked about this a couple months ago. How that dude's like, I got a script. I read the script. It's great. You can't believe it. Unbelievable. What is Zaslav, every 99 weird things you do, you don't want one weird one that actually works out. It's so insane that of all the things that I ever thought would get a sequel, this? Uh, I, I know, I'm looking at Francis Thornton. I know, I know enough about the character now to know that Keanu Reeves' portrayal is not necessarily a good adaptation of that character from the comic. Correct. But that is a great movie. Correct. <laughs> and, and I think over time, people have, have only made love that movie even harder. Because I think when it came out, it was lukewarm. But now I think it's like, no, nah, that movie. Really it's cool. another one. It's another one. Interestingly, I was thinking about this the other day because I've been thinking about this trend. Um, it's another one of those films caught in the like, Shia LaBeouf was a big deal. So we're going to find a way to put Shia LaBeouf in this movie. True. Um, which I'm still very curious how Indiana Jones 5 is going to work its way out of. Uh, oh, he, he's definitely not in that. Oh, I'm sure he's not. But like, you got to address it on some level that his son is out there. So uh, I was like, Francis Lawrence, that name sounds familiar. It's because he's the one who's doing Slumberland and Bioshock. So he's coming back to do Constantine, which he did 
17 years ago. Cool. That dude's working hard. Yeah, I'm... I knew even then that the Constantine movie was not a good adaptation of the character. Um, But like, I I wasn't too familiar with the character for it to bother me. And as Constantine has had an interest, had and like an early reevaluation because when it came out, it was not received well. And then over time, it became kind of this cult classic, this cult hit is I, it's a weird movie. And I think what really, what really helps um like reevaluate what what the movies that get reevaluated that i think deserve it are the ones that are weird and take big swings quite honestly like that movie has him shooting a a a, a golden cross shotgun like it's a oh, wild yeah. it's a wild movie and i always remember like the perception of hell when yeah, the, the when the, 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 the helsing walks so constantine could run yeah the yeah. um like I, I remember I like just how grimy that movie is. And like specifically yeah. there's that scene where like he's in the rain fighting that bug demon. That's like the, that's such an incredible scene. And like he's punching a demon, and like the bugs are flying off and it's reforming. Uh really cool. And like the bowling alley, yeah. Like that movie, Peter Stormell is Peter Stormell is the best devil. He is so slimy. Oh my god. He takes his he takes good. his cancer away so he can live. Oh my god, it's so good. Love yeah, it. I, I'm I'm happy. Honestly, like, I'm kind of happy that this Constantine is going to live again. Like, okay. it's weird to say, like, I do really want a true Constantine uh, show because I really like that NBC show that was canceled. I love Matt Ryan as Constantine. And I would, I was down for, for a new a new version I got, of... I got great news for you. There's you know what I mean. Seasons of Legends of Tomorrow <laughs> with a great Matt Ryan Constantine. <laughs> I, you know, you know what I mean. But like, so I was, I was happy to see that they were doing more with the Constantine character. And I know that she's in Sandman, um, so like, but like this one was the one where, where I never thought I'd actually be happy to see this version of Constantine back. I tweeted last week how I wanted a Constantine comic book that that mer- that did like a multiverse of like this one meeting like the blonde Constantine, and I'm like, because we're never, I never thought I would get Constantine again. I'd love he, to see Keanu Reeves in that Ryan. That's what I'm talking about. So like. The thing that makes me most excited about this is I, uh, Hell Hellblazer the comic is very much a comic in Vertigo that is set in its own universe. But also Constantine showed up in Swamp Thing. That was his first appearance, and that's a DC Comics character. I desperately hope we see other magical characters show up that are from the DC universe. Not not you know Batman, Superman, or like Zatanna, but like like the the Madame Xanadu shit. Like I want to see all I want to see all of those. Give me an Etrigan in the Demon because like he's not going to show up in a Justice League movie anytime soon, right? Fortunately, under the Zav's law of rain, we're far away from. Likely. Yeah, I do want to address that there were rumors going around within the Snyder fandom um, of the of the DC universe, the um, saying that this film would be set within the DCEU. That is not the case. At least we don't know that is the case. There has been I, no I statement ever made that this would be connected to the current crop of DC movies. I hope as far not. as we it's, know, this is is its own thing. It has to be its own thing. Absolutely. I, I really, they're saying they're hitting the reset button and everything. I can't imagine that you have the director come back and he's like, yeah, I'll conform to this other vision of all these other no, things. This like, is it, a, it does yeah. not belong in that world. This is of the Batman. It's going to be its own thing. I bet. 100%. Which is weird because like Zaslav is all about like homogenizing to get to Marvel, right? Like so that, but he's still got the Batman and now Constantine. And he's just like, yeah, that's fine. But Joker 2 still happened in you. Joker 2. I don't understand the financial motive of this decision, but I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah. Keanu, Keanu Reeves is hot, I guess, still. I don't, you know, I don't well, know. he's Reeves. white, so he's allowed to greenlight this project. Yeah, that's true. He can't find out that he's partly Asian, though. No, he can't. Yeah. Don't, tell, don't tell Zaslav. Zaslav definitely doesn't know that. <laughs> 1,000% does not know that. Nobody tell. Quickly, nobody show him 47 Ronin. Yeah. 
don't don't, oh, let, no. don't let him listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. All right. Real quickly, um, and part of that didn't change his mind. He would just think that he's a white guy in a movie, and that that's okay because that's how things should be. Like the Last yeah. Samurai. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I liked Makamori in, in Forty Seven Ronin. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, part of Zaslav's whole thing of like getting rid of streaming movies and putting them in theaters, uh, Magic Mike. Magic Mike's Last Dance will be moving from HBO Max to a theatrical release. Hell yeah. Speaking of Soderbergh properties. Hell yeah, baby. Directed by Channing Tatum himself. I, I, love, I love the Magic Mike movies. They are so fun. Uh, Joe Manganiello just eats it in those movies. He's so funny in those movies. Um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, um, I'll see this movie in theaters. Okay. Is this the third one? Yep. Magic Mike, That's Magic Mike XXL, and then the last one. That's really interesting that this is that this is the so Channing Tatum was directing this, um, uh, the Creed the third Creed movie is being directed by Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, hell yeah! Interesting how that worked out. Bye bye Bunny, the Looney Tunes musical that we heard about is being shot is still being shopped around to other places after being canceled at HBO Max. But now we know that most of the crew that was working on the film has been laid off. Ew. It's still not canceled, though. It is still being shopped around. The director was very clear. Like, this is it's we're still looking for a new home. We're still working on it. It's just just on hold. We have less staff now. Well, I guess that movie's coming out eventually. I hope so. I really want to see this one. I don't believe in anything. (laughs) At least (laughs) Warner Brothers. Um, All right. We want to talk about trailers then? Might as well. What else? Dragon. Dragon Ball Z, Kakarot, Bardock, Alone Against Fate. The new DLC coming to Dragon Ball Z, Kakarot. Do you want to start, Brandon? I just think it's quite weird that they're doing a a Bardock story based on that special and not the current Bardock canon. Yeah, I also think that's weird. It's interesting. Um, Nobody has touched this iteration of Bardock since the introduction of him in... um, not early, but the minus. Uh, yes, Dragon Ball minus in the Jocko manga. Um, nobody's gone back to this design or this idea of Bardock for since then. Uh, Xenoverse two technically, but there's multiverse stuff in Xenoverse two, so that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting that they're that they're doing this. I'm most interested in the fact that like it looks like they're really going to flesh out the team. We're seeing them on a planet that we've never seen them on before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to imagine they're making this like based on the other DLC links. Like this will be a more fully fleshed thing, taking you through more than just uh, the simple story of the ninety-minute special. And I think it's kind of cool that we get to explore Planet Vegeta. A ninety-minute special, fifty-minute special. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, in in theory. Well, yeah, they confirmed it. I believe like Bardock will you'll as Bardock because you're going to play as Bardock in the special in this. DLC, you'll get to fly around and and talk to people on Planet Vegeta. I'm sure like like the whole it's it's thing. gonna be a giant wide open thing, and you're gonna go fly five miles to talk to a single person over here to get a quest, and then you're gonna fly five miles to fight the person. I was gonna say, like, I don't know, because like the logic seems to be that if it's following the same logic as the special, you won't get to Planet Vegeta till the end. So you may be on like three or four planets on missions before you end up on Planet Vegeta. Mm-hmm. And then you're doing your like mad dash trying to rally the saiyans to fight frieza yeah yeah 
I've been eager to play Dragon Ball Z Kakarot for a while since actually Superhero came out. Um, so I, I want to, I, I, I need to play a Dragon Ball game. Um, I would, Universe 2 are right I there. know this is the newer game, but I would recommend Xenoverse 2 because it is the better game with more stuff to do in it. And I, I did, I did play it. Xenoverse 1, got very confused. So I, I, I was gonna, gonna get into Xenoverse 2, infinitely better. But the, the, um, but Kakarot just kind of appeals to me because like I could play through. As all the stories you've played a hundred times before in other Dragon Ball games, but I haven't played them, right? You I haven't played, played Dragon, Dragon Ball, Ball games. I haven't played a Dragon Ball game since Budokai One. Really? You didn't play yeah. one Budokai One, Two, Three, Tenkaichi One, Two, Three, right? That's no, that's that's me. Oh, oh well, yeah, that's get get it, baby. Get, yeah, see, I played every Dragon Ball game, so like when a new one comes out, it feels like the nine hundred ones that came out before it most of the time. So like, absolutely, then play this one because it's new to you, one hundred percent. I thought you played like all of us played all the Dragon Ball games. So yeah, get this one, baby. I've only ever played. I know I played Tenkaichi like a match with a friend, either Sparks or another friend. One match 10 years ago. Uh, that's, that's right, but outside of that, the last dedicated Dragon Ball game I played was Budokai. The first Budokai, and I have not played any since. Well, there you go. Then, then it's perfect avenue. Anyway. Um, the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Hell yeah, Ben, go for it. <laughs> no. No, I'm really... Ben, take it away. This looks incredible. Um, There's a... There's a really good prevailing theory that this is partially a prequel story and it's going to be about ganon how the villain of the legend of zelda how he became the villain he was actually the hero 100 years ago um everything you thought you knew was wrong yes but in a way that actually i really like that actually no, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like in a fun way it's um, not always a bad trope no um and like if if the prevailing theory is like it is going to use a lot of the same map but a lot of a lot of stuff's going to be in the sky and then the bottom world's going to be terraformed so it's going to be partially a new map with an entirely new above like sky map. Um, I'm I'm stoked. Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild is one of the greatest games of all time. It probably is the best Switch game. Um, I definitely. Well, that's, that's not a high bar. <laughs> Nintendo makes some pretty good games, but it's no, they it's like still, like still true. Switch Switch uh, Switch. Uh, I'm, I, I'm using the word. Thank you. Yeah. Switch exclusive. Um, yeah, I it's like that in Mario probably... Odyssey. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. And then everything else is pretty good. Maybe the the new Kirby. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, but Breath yeah. of the Wild probably still the top. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This looks. Uh. It was a shorter teaser trailer, but like, um, it's coming out next year. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm excited. Well, speaking of a game that's coming out, uh, that's a horrible segue. Whatever. God of War Ragnarok. It's too much. We got kind of a so full... important to talk about. Brandon put it before the movie we're reviewing in the title of this episode. Here we go. God of War Ragnarok. Oh, I just needed something from the news to put in there. Tell us. What? Tell us. Tell us, Brandon. Oh, I'm... Look, God of War is my one of my favorite games of all time. Um, I love all those games. I'm... I was worried. Um, I think Ryan, like, you know, back when this game was announced... You know, you ma- you made the 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 observation that any game, any God of War game with a subtitle in it, was mostly a side quest game. Yeah, sometimes. Um, and so, like, there was kind of that fear. Although I did kind of keep out hope that this was going to be this is God of War two. This is this Ragnarok. We're doing God of War two. It's the the full that we're we're finally going to do that. It's going to kind of it's probably going to be the end of the Norse saga. It is for her. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, watching this trailer. 
watching any of the trailers quite honestly have been have got me hyped but they've all been like nuggets like little 30 second like teasers this is finally like a full this is the one here's, here's what that game that's coming out in november is what we've been waiting for yeah yeah because i've definitely been like i've been excited but i've definitely felt like it's still coming out on ps4 so like like it, it won't be as extravagant as it possibly could be which again does not mean it's a bad game or anything but i was on i was like they've had a couple years of work on it i'm not sure it'll be maybe it's a miles morales more than a spider-man 2 no it's a spider-man 2 no this is a this is a sequel ass sequel ass game uh this looks incredible yeah i was more thrilled for it i was looking at this like you know i it's clearly been built on the same on like the on like the foundation of god of war was has to be um, yeah and it's using a lot of that same kind of graphics engine but i was really surprised that the scope was much bigger than that first game mm-hmm. um i did not expect the scope to be quite that big the 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 last like 10 seconds of the trailer is just like look at all this cool shit we're gonna do that's much bigger than the last time once we get to f- once the wolves do their thing that's when the trailer goes into overdrive yeah Something and we get overdrive? to see mm-hmm. and we get to see i guess we're gonna fight valkyries proper this time um <laughs> the, ben did all that work and they're still coming for him What's what's the leader of the, what's her name? I forget her name. The leader of them. She's in the trailer. Frey, yeah. So like we're gonna have to like we're gonna have to fight her. She's mean now. We killed her baby boy. Poor Ben. He was so like I went through, I got them all. He did not get them all. They're coming. They're always coming. Uh I'm I I I'm I'm so I've been thinking about nothing but Norse mythology because of this game, like being so excited for this game, uh, getting all the morsels like, oh Fenris is in this game. Oh my goodness, getting to see like all the all this stuff um thor uh that last shot was absolutely the right shot to end the trailer on when the when the axe and thor's hammer like collide with each other big thor holy, thor. holy shit that got me that got I, me so i hyped. forgot to mention two things that i did earlier this week one of them was i played the first two hours of god of war on the ps5 edition and that game looks that game looks incredible that game does look that that is a significant upgrade from the PS4 when I originally played it because it's not just 4K textures; it's 60 frames per second, so it's double the speed, so it's so much smoother. Uh, so like, uh, I just got my new brand new TV, my big ass 4K 50 inch, and one of the first shows I watched was 4K God of War Ragnarok, and I'm like, that looks almost real. Holy shit! <laughs> um, I'm so into finding more, get diving more into Atreus and 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 Kratos. I think this this game because of the events of of, of this past of this year this game is going to destroy me oh yeah uh did you did you hear did you catch odin's voice one of your best friends from the west wing toby oh yeah that is who that is That's odin. odin so normally odin has kind of like oh you think he has like a deep voice he has like a snidey condescending voice it's gonna be a shitty odin i can't wait he's gonna be super <laughs> shitty uh as i mentioned up earlier the foley artist who i saw last week was the foley artist who worked on this game uh, they didn't say a lot, but they did say it's going to be real good. Oh yeah, I'm so excited. The game of the game of the year for me. Oh, th- thank you. I watched the first half of Abbott Elementary, the first se- the first half of that season of Abbott Elementary, because that show took a bunch of Emmys, including the main uh, uh, main comedy and main uh, uh, sorry supporting actress and main actress for comedy. Uh, and that show is incredible. So funny. So so. It, it's like the office but in a, in a school um but it is so modern and so funny and like it's on hbo so it's got like a hell of a good budget uh very funny everybody hates K- chris kids on there and he's it's like on it's on hbo i'm watching it on hbo 
Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know if it's an HBO show. It is not. I thought it was an HBO show. It looks good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Abbott Elementary. Win those Emmys. Very cool. God of War Ragnarok. Uh, yeah. Do I have anything else I want to say about God of War Ragnarok? Um, oh, um, I'm very eager to see the revelation of the end of the game, of the first game, that Atreus is actually Loki. That's um, so weird. It's an ABC show. So I'm surprised it's not on Hulu. Um, uh, how that's I... going to pay off, especially because as as we know from Norse mythology, a lot of Loki's children are already born in mm-hmm. this timeline. So curious to see. Just from the little we got of the trailer, it definitely seems like Odin knows what's up with Loki mm-hmm. in some way. So I there's definitely going to be uh, Loki's, like they can say the trailer, like Loki is going on his own path and Kratos <clears throat> doesn't know what the path is, but he's going on it begrudgingly. And then like eventually they're going to come to heads of like, you got to tell me what's going on. Like, what's going on with you? He's like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that big snake is my boy. Maybe it's my boy. It's my boy. <laughs> the big snake is my, the big snake and that big dog that birthed those things. Oh my God. We could see Hela in this game. We're going to go to all nine realms, apparently. Yeah. Um, we're going to all the realms. So, like, we're going to revisit realms we've already been, but they're going to be all transformed because of shit happening. So, like, yeah. Gosh, I'm so yeah, excited for this game. It's all done here. You got to stop looking. You're so good. You're so good. What did you say, Sparks? I missed it. I said you got to do it all here because you're all done with this one. That's it. Oh, I thought you were making like a joke or something. No, no, no yeah, 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 no, yeah. There'll uh, be no more. This is, oh, this, right. is the Norse. this is the end. Yeah, it is. You have to do it all. Oh, there will be no more. Let's go to Egypt. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure this was not the last God of War game. I'm like 100 percent sure that's not. Um, and the and the fact that they're very specifically this is the end of the Norse saga. I'm like, all right, let's do some more mythologies, baby. I I am fully convinced Kratos is dying in this one, hundred percent. Yeah, I think this is going to be an Atreus story about him, not maybe not becoming the God of War, but like being the man without Kratos. Because I do agree, I think this will be the last God of War. I think it is the last God of War with Kratos. Yeah, I think it's going to be a barn burner. I think it's going to burn us up. I'm going to get emotional, guys. Hell yeah! All right, exception. Exception. Is this, this the, is the anime that you is this the ugly? like the concept mm. but hate the look? Yeah, this is a really cool concept, like uh, clones and like a monster is made from a clone. But a misprint. A misprint. But boy, howdy, did I hate looking at this. <laughs> boy, howdy. I I couldn't I couldn't love a concept more and hate a look so bad. Wow, wow, wow. I thought that the concept of the idea like this misprint is kind of like fighting for its own life. Like, what makes me less alive than you? What is a human? What is a self? Again, those are literally the questions, like Westworld shit. That's my favorite shit. But looking at it makes me want to vomit. Yeah, great idea, bad animation. I would echo the same thing. All right, then. Mr. Harrigan's phone. The Ryan Murphy movie. The yeah. Stephen King, Ryan Murphy movie. Truthfully, I should have probably taken this one out because I would. I only wanted it to, I only wanted to put it on to keep the Stephen King's best friend joke going. Mm, yeah, sorry. But Ben's, Ben's not here. Um, I didn't really like this one either. Um, it's got some spooky stuff in it, but like, it, fairly generic to me. You know, throwing throwing a co- bunch of cool names doesn't always do it anymore. You got to have like the substance. Nothing in in particular jumped out. I I almost thought it had the nugget of a good idea. I like then, like yeah, Christopher Plummer. Nothing Man. in the trailer really made me convinced that I was going to see that all the way through. Yeah, not Christopher Plummer. What's no, his name? What's I, his name? Uh, Donald, Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. I got there. Yeah. I, I like him being in it. I hope that we actually hear his voice when he calls on the phone. Because mm-hmm. like if those are all just 
calls with kind of vague nothingness where he avoids them all. Or is it all in his head? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I want I want Donald Sutherland to actually be calling him. Pirate King. I want a phone record that actually exists that people Ooh. have to be like, can't explain this one. The Black Phone Modern Edition. A school for good and evil. Yes, I am very into this trailer. It's a two and a half hour movie. It looks great. Yeah. Oh man, I so I I love the premise. It's based off a a, a book series, which I didn't know. But um, like, yo, this is where you, this is where like fantasy comes to be born. Like, this is where princesses and like stories and like and like I think I think it's such a cool idea of like the birthplace of of the stories that we know. Um, again, like like almost like a three thousand years along. I think like where all this stuff like originates from. Like, I think it's a really cool idea, and I think it looks visually stunning. It looks really expensive. Um. And Paul Feig's directing it, and I generally like that guy. I think he's a really funny director most of the time. Um, and I love Charlize. I think the cast is insane. Uh, so, like, I, I, I'm going to be sad if this isn't good, because I'm very, very into it. Yeah. I really only like Paul Feig when he's not writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't like the films he's written, um, but I, I really like the films he hasn't, that he's just has been a director on. Mm-hmm. And he's co-writing this one with someone mm-hmm. else. Um, I think the same. I think. I think. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not willing to say say confidently. No. Um, it's the same person who did a Simple Plan, which was a, a movie. I, I believe that's the name of the movie. The Anna Kendrick Blake Lively movie, which is a movie I really liked that he did. Um, so I'm. I'm. Is that the last I'm, movie he did too. Mm. I don't think he did a movie in between. Last Christmas. Last Christmas. I also like that. Amelia Clark and Henry Golding. That was in between. Okay. I also really like that movie. Um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I really want this to be good. I really oh. like the trailer for this. The screenplay is also by David McGee, who got a Golden Globe for Finding Neverland in an Academy Award. Finding Neverland's oh, good. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Rachel Bloom's in this. That's who? I don't know. Megan oh just God. was reading through the cast list earlier. Mary Poppins. Mary there. Poppins Returns and Finding Neverland. Oh, he also wrote the the new Little Mermaid movie coming out. So, oh, cool. I like, I'm happy with this. This looks good. Uh, this looks visually really impressive. Something he, you know, he's worked with big budget before with Ghostbusters, so it's kind of cool to see him see them see him do it again. I'm happy with this trailer. I was really impressed. Yeah, me too. I'm super excited. Interview with the vampire. I love it. Yeah, I really like the production design on this show. I don't have a lot else to say that I haven't said already. Yeah, I talked about it. I, I am absolutely going to watch the show. I, uh, I I agree with the aesthetics. I think it's 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 visually pleasing, and it's not often you get like really good like sensual period piece vampire stuff like this. Um, well, because like you know, Anne Rice has like the market corner and all that shit. Um, so it's nice that that it's coming back, and it's just like it gets to be as queer as it's supposed to be. Because I like that original movie too, but it's like a, a, little, a little more subtext in there. Yeah, the, the I think the appeal of the show is when they said that they were making the subtext text. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. Um, and I don't really have much else to say about this one either. All right, so then Enter Galactic. God, Spider-Verse is the best thing to ever have in animation. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? This looks so good. And it's not just doing Spider-Verse. Like, it's, it's like, it is that, but like in its, a different way too. Um, I just really like that. It looks like it's like a, like a simple story about love, but also it's like super surreal. And then like, like biking in space. And it's yeah. like, uh, Timothy Chalamet is in here for some reason. <laughs> that was weird. They, need, they needed a token white guy. They needed a token white guy. He's pretty, he's a good one if you're gonna have one. Um, I'm very into this. Uh, I really like Kid Cardi as an artist, so I'm really excited to see him to like venture into like producing uh animation. Um, I think it's got a great look. So even if the show might not be good, which I hope it is, like at least it's gonna look stellar. 
Right. Yeah, I agree. Intergalactic. That's a cool name. Yeah, I was actually really surprised. The first look that we saw of this movie was definitely more kind of um, sci-fi leaning. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised to see that this one was to, to see that the movie was very much more like this kind of a slice of life thing with um, imaginative visuals only being in the like perhaps in the imagination of our characters, not actually informing plot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought that was a cool I, th- I thought that was interesting. And so it took me a little bit to like re- recalibrate to what the trailer was telling me. But I really like the animation and I'm really happy that we live in this world where animation or animation is being experimented with in this in this way being we're seeing so many new unique animation projects come out of the pipeline absolutely you said slice of life and it really does seem like slice of lifestyle anime Mm -hmm. um just done through this other lens yeah yeah all right that's it blew through that so shall we get into our main topic So one summer when I was in camp, Ben Magnet did a terrible thing to me. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So oh, you got your nose job. <laughs> yeah. So it's do, Re- <laughs> do revenge the latest Netflix film with Maya Hawk and damn it, I'm so unprepared today. The other actress's name escapes me. Camila Mendez. Camila Mendez um, uh, is out now. Um, not quite something we, you know, we we uh, we generally lean to more genre stuff, but every now and then kind of fall into this. So if you have not seen this one, uh, you know, up to you. But don't don't watch this. Don't rewind. Pause it. Watch it later. Bookmark us. Whatever you want to do. Pause it. Go see. Go watch it. Whatever you want to do, Ben. So <laughs> real quick, the director of this movie, Jennifer Caitlin Robinson, was the writer of Thor: Love and Thunder with Taika Waititi. Nice. So I, that's where some of that uh, some of that good comedy comes from. And I can see it. Yeah. All right. So what did we think of Do Revenge? Okay, one of you guys. I'll, overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I, I I was enjoying it most of the time. It has a really glaring blight to me, and then just a couple of other weak spots. But overall, I think it's it's held strong by its two leads, and it's very aware of what it's doing and i think smartly done for the most part i i agree i i had a i had a pretty good time um i think it's i think for the type of movie it is i it felt long to me um i definitely felt like towards like towards like the three-fourths act that i'm like we still got like more to go right and then like I, we have like a whole another act with the whole party and i'm like i enjoyed the end but i definitely felt this could have been a little shorter we could have trimmed some time um I like 90% of the jokes work. I really like the leads. Um, it's, there's not a lot of like depth. It's a really fun and fluffy movie with a lot of great uh, comedy jokes, but it's a very, it's very surface level. And that's not necessarily always a bad thing. I want to respond to that, but I want to respond to that after Brandon said, what do you think? Uh, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I, I had a good time with this. I wouldn't agree with the, it's very surface level though. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily agree with the assessment either. I think it's deceptively it's deceptively uh seeming simple, yeah. but I think it I think it handles there are some things I think it handles exceptionally well. Um like the concept of her uh chasing status, like her her poorness. Like it would have been easy to leave this concept of 
I never really belonged at the door. She could have just been one of the rich girls. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way that that informs on her decisions, the way that informs on her background and who she is and how she became who she is at the point in the film, I think is actually done really well rather than keeping it at like, it, it, it had a little bit more to dig into its characters than I think a traditional one. A traditional one of these would have. I'll hear that. Um, sure. Okay. I, I think it. I think it chewed on the idea of who they are and why they are who they are a little more than um, movies of this fair tend to. And um, I really like the idea of when the movie starts. There's a sense of like, who is a bad person mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and who is not a bad person. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And like, Drea seems like you are told pretty early like some of them are protecting Drea because they know like this is not her house she is not rich and like um she finds out that someone is going to blab about that and she destroys them before they can Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you're like okay but who's the bad person here and the same thing happens with Max in the leak of the video they don't tell you in that first scene they make it present very very much like Max is innocent um, so that you're left in a lingering space of like, okay, but who, did he get hacked? You know, I'll agree um, with that. Yeah, yeah, okay. because it, it, it plays with the vague idea of like, who's in the wrong, who isn't in the, the wrong. You don't get a definitive answer on Max until much later. Um, That's true. And when you get it, I find it interesting. You get it through the sister. Uh, so I think like, there's a lot of thought in the way these characters are motivated, why they're motivated and what they're doing. And I do think that there's a, there's almost a rewatch value that we kind of get a glimpse of because of some of the flashback stuff. Mm-hmm. But once you know the twist, that scene in the bed specifically, where she's like, you're just like me, Eleanor. That's yeah, yeah. why I like you. Um, and, her, and her being really sad and saying, I know, mm-hmm. is hits different in retrospect of the twist. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. I really have nothing to add to, add to that. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I'll I'll talk about my biggest problem with the film, which is um, there's the uh, part where they leak his texts, and in a mad dash to uh, save face, they come up with a polyamory angle. Mm-hmm. Um, I have several loved ones in my life who are polyamorous, and I didn't appreciate that the angle that they take and the way they handle it very much feeds into the societal norm that polyamory is just an excuse for cheating um because of the way they present it without any counterpoint without any extra weight to it it becomes just this allows me to cheat this allows me to to sleep around without rather than like what polyamory really is to people who are involved in polyamorous relationships and that sucked um and it sucked because it also hurt the characters of the group around Max. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get to the end of the movie, I kind of don't give a shit that Tara and the rest have turned against Max because they are just enablers. Like, I, they are not now good people. Because they did this one thing where they, where all the evidence was made so overtly too much that they have now turned on Max does not make them good people, does not make them doing the right thing. Uh, it just means that the meal ticket was over for hanging around with Max. And it was time to cut him loose because he was just going to drag them down. Their handling of that crisis where they rally, not only them, but specifically Tara, the girl he's dating at the time, who's supposed to be Drea's best friend, rallies to come up with the polyamory angle, even though she literally just learned he's been cheating on her. At least that's the implication. And she comes up with it and feeds it and gives it out. 
in the same day without anything weighed against it makes it so that later when you get to the scene where Tara's trying to be there for Drea and like be supportive and say like I, I left you. you this space and I feel bad and I got sucked into the social circle rings hollow because like you don't have that same balance of care for another person and do what you did in the same day of learning about those texts because it also means it happened to Drea like it happened to her and it happened to Drea she knows that because those texts are out there she doesn't check Andrea then she doesn't reach out she doesn't take any like they become more unlikable because of the way that whole situation plays out and it makes me like okay I guess they're cool with them now but what does that mean to me I'm, I'm glad that they're not very featured in the epilogue of the film although they have the moment at the party where they turn on Max it's not like we see Eleanor and Drea going to hang out with them or something very glad of that because that would have felt really shitty um but that's like my biggest blight is that I think they where I think characters are really well thought out for their motivations and who they are in complex, that kind of circle that surrounds Max, that's not his sister, uh, pretty poorly etched out, pretty poorly handled. That's what I'm, that's feels, what I'm talking about. And it feels, like, it feels like they try to handle Tara with some nuance, but it doesn't work in light of the polyamory scene. Sure. I don't think that's the intention, though. I'm pretty... I, I think the intention of the film is supposed to be like this is what like a teenager's uh um uh reading of polyamory is uh to save face i don't disagree though um i i didn't it didn't just dis, it didn't disrupt my enjoyment i guess i should say um however i think i pr- i think i took it as, as the movie was intending it to be you know no explain i no No, because the movie the movie doesn't intend doesn't the movie wants you to like tara and and everyone in the part and when they turn on max they want you to like those characters they want you to be endeared the movie wants you to be to 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 turn around on those characters and that's how i i that's how i took the film Uh right i was i was not thinking of i was not thinking of the larger kind of what that scene was meant to and what, what that scene inadvertently informs because i don't think it was trying to inf- I, I don't think the the i don't think the purpose of that scene is to make those characters forever unlikable i think that's an accidental feature of what they of how they handled it and i didn't take it as and i and i and because of that i didn't i didn't i didn't take it as, as i didn't take it like like you did if that makes sense if that makes sense now Sure, I get that. I think my problem with it really stems from a, like, I like films like this. I think if we're going to keep making films about topics that involve specifically, like, it's not sexual assault, but, like, sexual abuse scandals. This is this is him leaking a private sexual video of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Russ correctly points out later, Drea doing what she did also left all those girls vulnerable to everyone else because of the photos and videos that were in those texts um, without thinking about them. But those things are so lightly touched on um, and so cavalierly handled. I just think it's more important to recognize that like there's the abuser and then there's the people that enable the abuser. And like Max is only powerful because of that group around him as well. Max is done that day with those texts if that group doesn't help him. Mm-hmm. but they did they know he's shitty the texts show he's shitty 
either some of them knew about it beforehand or they didn't or they learned of it that day, they still protect him. That's a choice. And I don't feel like those characters are handled with the sense of consequence of being an enabler of abuse that Drea is or Eleanor is or even Gabby is, but they're not. And I think that's where it's 2022 and I feel like we need to be better about not just focusing on abusers are bad, but enablers need to recognize responsibility and work against them. Because while they do turn on Max at the end, they also take no action to lead to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. That happens only after the evidence has been completely projected forward. Sure. That's that's my main thing, is like, you know, abusers get really powerful because of enablers. Um, and these these kinds of like really harmful and bad things, things that will lead teens not necessarily to do the things that Maya Hawk and Drea do in this movie, but maybe commit suicide or things like that. When when enablers bolster them, that's dangerous. And so the the film kind of playing loosely with that concept is the part where that's, I'm like, yeah, that that could have been done better. It's kind um, of the problem when you're making like like a like a light comedy, and you have something like this, like you had you can't. You can't take it too seriously or else the movie... It's like when the car seat, the car wreck happens. Like, you think the movie's about to turn into, like, a horror movie. That's true. Uh, but it doesn't. That's true. And, like, it needs... It, it does need to stay into that comedy zone. But, like, there are ways to not, like, make a thesis statement yeah. on enablers yeah. and still reckon with these characters and the consequence of their involvement and their actions. And the film just isn't interested in doing that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an important puzzle piece to the extension of the story, like, the trauma that is enacted on Drea and Eleanor only happens because not just of the abusers that do these things to them, but also the enablers who are around those abusers. Drea is only that kind of person to Eleanor in their history because of the people who pushed her to be, who mm-hmm. enabled her to be. Um, so the that's the thing where it's like, been. there there was a way to, to treat it better. And I think wrapping, I think the polyamory one bothers me personally, again, just because there's people I care about who I, I understand a lot about that culture through them. And I understand the prejudices that exist against it because from an external perspective, without knowing people in it, it's very easy for our culture to interpret it as it is simply an excuse for sleeping around and not a serious uh, engagement of separate relationships. It's just like the bisexual conversation, Brandon. It's just like that. Um, no, I understand. I understand. Um, I, I think... Only, real quick, Brandon. My only problem that I think triggers me about that is because polyamory is not represented very often in young teen films. Almost never is it taken in with any kind of actual presence or tone. Um, and this, it's kind of progressive in a sense to even include the word polyamory and the concept of it in this film. And like what they're pushing for, <laughs> I think the thing about it is the framing of it from the group getting all the students on board. It feels like a gag. It feels like a scam. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When what they're saying isn't wrong, that is what how people who are in polyamorous relationships are supposed to feel like, yeah, it's okay to be this kind of open as long as these are consenting parties. And but it feels like it's a trick. Uh and that's why it I, it just rubs me the wrong way in that, it's more in like that a, display. It becomes like a plot point. I don't want to live in the negative, so I'll leave it at that. Sarah Michelle Geller is in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's the what's the what's the movie where Lisa Kudrow Lisa Kudrow plays like a like Easy a, a. Easy A I got I felt like Easy A it movie. did it did feel like Easy A I found it the same thing uh, Law Man maybe the most Neil Jobson movie I've heard in my entire mm-hmm. life every two minutes there's a new song playing in this movie 
It's 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 all, it's all it, over all, the place. All, and uh, all over the place. Either half the track is from uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, or it's modern pop that I don't like. Um, I just found it very interesting that like, you know, kids, uh, teens movies, teen movies had a lot of like, you know, like music in it. But like, man, this was like Suicide Squad levels of like, not bad music, but like every two minutes there's a new song playing. And I'm like, guys, can we just live? Can we just live in people talking for a minute, please? We don't need the, you don't need to have Joan Jett playing in every single teen movie, every single teen movie. Uh, I'm still processing a lot okay. of what you said, Sparks. I'm sorry. I, what, you threw me so far away from the movie and into a much, much deeper conversation that I was not prepared to have that I, I'm trying to reel back into the movie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We can't That's... be getting too real on Do Revenge. No, no, it's it, like, it's, it's, it, yeah. Uh, I, it's fair. I, I, it, it's a very particular bug that 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 bothered got it under my skin. No, bro. Um, I think what Do Revenge does very well is Eleanor Andrea as characters. The uh, kind of back and forth of who is really our protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because we follow Dre at the start of the movie, but our narrator is Eleanor, uh, who we don't meet until later on in the film. Which is really interesting. They're both narrators. No, they're dual narrations. Do they do their, no? Do they yeah, they're dual du- no, they're dual narrations. Okay. I I was kind of annoyed because I hate I hate narration in movies. Uh-huh. But like this one wasn't that bad. But it was both of them talking. God, I remember none of Dre's no. Yeah, literally, Drea talks, and then like, the second the second about that. the second that we see Maya Hawk, she's like, "Oh, we're both narrating this movie." That's why I thought. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. no, it's both. The thing about that I liked about Maya Hawk's narration, the reason why I think it stands out more than Drea's, is that. Maya Hawk has this Eleanor has this um, bit when she's in the bathtub and she's talking about how I thought I would feel better mm-hmm. and I don't and like that's the only real kind of that's the only kind of real substance substantial narration that you really need in this movie yeah. uh, because most of the narration is kind of just explaining what they're doing and why they're doing it and how much they like each other really Sometimes but they don't... funny quips here and there but like yeah yeah, but like Maya Hawk's narration is towards after the twist is the is is more substantial, which is why I think it's probably the most memorable narration in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I sh- sure I I think so. I I think Maya stands out to me because I thought about it earlier in the film when she first shows up and she says she doesn't know it, but we're about to become best friends, which is like your sneak into that. She's not saying this in retrospect. This is her plan. She's doing this on purpose, mm-hmm. um, which gives you like a small window into the into the twist that will come. The psychosis. Um, and I think she does it very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like it. We need to talk about Sophie Turner's absolutely unhinged cameo. Yeah, Sophie Turner. Which is Cersei, probably... Or, uh, uh, Sansa Stark showing which up. Which is probably yeah. some of the... Oh, uh, that's who that was. Yes. You don't yes. watch Game of Thrones. I don't. And, oh, but she was what? Jean Grey. I was like, wait, what movies is she? She's Jean Grey. Failed Jean Grey. Um, Rest in peace, Sophie. Yeah, uh, absolutely unhinged. Um, Love it. Probably, probably, frankly, one of my biggest laughs just because of the framing of it, where she's like, I don't even know what cocaine looks like. And then she's got her best friend holding the bag, sobbing in the back, like, she doesn't even know what it looks like. Um, just so out of control. I thought it was really good like that's a good use of a bizarre cameo i like i liked her her first cameo and then when she shows up and she's in rehab she's like i actually did get addicted to cocaine so thanks for that i'm like oh my god you ruined her life yeah that's so funny and then she's just got the picture she's yeah. painting that she hates her <laughs> Who's every time i think we've seen the last of her she showed up for like one more time mm-hmm. 
Who's the girl who 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 the who goes to see in the rehab? What's her name? Carissa. 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 So she's on Love Victor. I was actually really happy to see her in this oh, movie. Nice. Um, I think she's really great in Love Victor. Didn't get a lot to do, so I was happy to see more. Did you recognize Russ from Miss Marvel? Comron. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Um, I liked his little paint scene with Drea. I also liked it when it was in Ten Things I Hate About You. Hell yeah, it's my favorite romantic comedy. Um, a, lot, uh, a lot of Ten Things in this movie, which is not a bad thing. They, it felt not like there thing. were a lot of nods to like this kind of fare. Yeah, yeah. before. The, I uh, the the uh, uh, you mentioned someone mentioned I think Ryan you mentioned the um, pacing of the film, um, and I think once the movie gets about halfway through the second act and hasn't gotten to the twist yet. Yes, the movie slows down. There's a very specific slowdown that this movie takes. And I don't think it should. I actually think it probably should tighten that up and get to the twist faster. We make it a make it a tighter movie. And probably two hours was a little bit too long for this movie. For me, yeah, for me, I'll, I felt it. I'll say what I think it is is the. It's hard for me to say like this should go because I I kind of really love the acting in this moment, but it's the birthday scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's oh the mushroom. No, 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 the birthday. Oh, the birthday. Um, it's it's Drea confronting her at the birthday and uh, Eleanor embracing the group. That all doesn't feel like it feeds into the story of who Eleanor is anyway. Like, yeah, she's she's enjoying it, but like w- the next time we see her after the birthday party is when we already know the twist. Mm-hmm. And she's back on that it doesn't even matter she wants to take all of them down anyway that's part of her plan is to ruin their lives too so it doesn't really click for this concept of really what it feels like it's there for is to just push gabby away from her and make eleanor feel bad in that sense the only thing i really like about it is the acting between uh maya hawk and um drea because i think she's really good in that scene when she's crying and saying you know you didn't even remember my birthday and i told you yesterday that was really and it does feel like that is tissue you need for the concept of like when drea says i think you really want to be my friend you don't want to hurt me at the end for that to work Mm kind of feels like it needs that emotionally but otherwise like the birthday party like whole segment feels like it just slows down from getting to the twist yeah because you have the idea that like she and after that scene, you get the idea, like, I actually was going to drop this whole thing because I thought she had changed. But then it turns out she didn't like well, the thing about the, the movie that I that I that I quite liked was how it it, it dove into narcissism. I think it actually does have uh, quite a quite an interesting uh, look. Not really anything to say, because what's there to say But like a kind of an interesting look at narcissistic people. Um, and how we're basically following one in our as our main character and we we're not cued into how narcissistic she is until she has that really until she she tells Conrad to go down on her while she's looking at the thing like that's kind of when we we really get the sense of like oh she's she doesn't give a shit at all she just she is like laser focused on destroying on revenge her her friends Right. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. I, I, I liked that aspect of the movie quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's true. Like, you get glimpses. And this is kind of what I was talking about. Like, what's interesting about the movie is, like, you don't really get a sense fully of how bad Drea is. Mm-hmm. Um, you get glimpses, but also you believe she's been wrong. So it's like, there's there's all these levels to it. 
it's like shitty people can be hurt by shitty people and and also hurt other people um and drea lives in that space i think the movie's greatest success is that the goal of the film and the goal of our main characters feels achieved by drea and eleanor having it out at the bonfire regardless of the getting revenge on max part mm-hmm. it's satisfying yeah. to have getting revenge on cherry max on top because he's a piece of shit um so it's satisfying to see him absolutely destroyed at the end but it doesn't feel like it's the goal of the film at that point yeah yeah the goal of the film was recognizing for both of the characters that neither of them want to be consumed in their hate they actually just want to genuinely care about each other because they already did and they don't want to continue to hurt each other because of their past pain but move forward from it together revenge has and that's consumed them. rare that that stays the message yeah. usually it'll still just be about max uh whatever his last name is must die that same john talker must die yes yeah rather than rather than about their friendship being repaired and the old wounds being healed over and right. that's the movie's great success i think yeah i was actually surprised that when like the 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 turn for 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 the for the movie really is when is when um and and kind of that messaging is when uh drea tells everyone that who 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 eleanor was uh at that nosy nora nosy nora and so like she as soon as as soon as eleanor leaves drea goes right after her she's like shit my bad i didn't want to do this i don't know why i did this this was awful i don't i want to be your friend. And I think you want to be my friend too. And, and it, it, wor- it works because you've seen Drea do this to other people. Sophie Turner, um, Allegra at the beginning of the film. Um, you've seen her do that to other people, but this is the first time where you feel like she's doing it. And she's critically thinking about herself yeah. and why she's doing it. And when she watches Nora be hurt by it and leave the room, she feels that pain, mm-hmm. which she just hasn't been connected enough to a person to feel in a long time uh, and that motivating her to say like i really don't want to do any of this anymore yeah um works that it's i think that's a hard landing to get and they do land that plane i obviously we're well we're familiar with maya hawk because of uh, like stranger things and other things but like i'm not really familiar with uh camilla mendez except she's from riverdale i know she's one of the ladies on riverdale i think she's awesome i really like her in this movie. Yeah. she she plays like a bitch very well i can see why she's veronica and or betty she's one of those characters she's veronica Veronica, she's the bitch you want, sure. Yeah. She feels complicated at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, uh, she's she's rich. She's um, not just um, uh, it's reductive, but she's not just Regina George. Yeah, Mean Girls. There's yes. more going on under that surface. Absolutely, yeah. I think she's excellent. Um, whenever there, the chemistry between her and Maya Hawk is really great. I, I kind of honestly, I found myself a lot of time wanting to live in that chemistry. Mm-hmm. um regardless of the story when like when the twist happens and it turns out the mile hawk was kind of the instigator of this whole thing um well, not the sex tape but like the the she wants revenge on drea like the the idea of like i was sad because i was like oh i'm not gonna live in this chemistry any longer yeah, because yeah. that's not just not what the movie is going to be and and i think that's a testament to how good their chemistry is how electrifying it is when they are together being together just the two of them it, it's 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 very compelling um and i i think that uh um camilla camilla mendez mendez yeah is fantastic and a a, a bona fide star like she yeah. needs hundreds more movies like i'm very excited for her 
career. I was always I was always excited for Maya Hawk because I love her from Stranger Things and I always want to see more of her. But now like both these women are wonderful and deserve all the the luck in the world to get so many great careers. Yeah, um the 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 mushroom the mushroom uh party scene. Very definitely the, the funniest scene for me in the movie. Because like That's I was like good. the second we find out there's a bunch of mushrooms like we're about to have a giant mushroom like like party scene because like that's all that's all i could want from this movie and they did it and it's really funny i thought we were gonna cut away i i really like um when they go and find the mushrooms for the first time and they're talking about different ways that they kind of want sarah michelle geller's headmaster to punish them yes like i want her to bury my body in the woods and then yes. lead the search party yeah yeah that <laughs> like, was really good like weird step on me step by energy yeah yeah this um, movie like i didn't realize it was rated r and like it's it's not explicitly rated R, but every God, once I'm in a while, every once in a while, yeah, they'll they say like, I was, sitting on a towel. I was like, what? Or they, they say the C word a couple times and I'm like, oh, right. This is for adults. Right. There's the, there's the bit and the, when they're during the mushroom party and they're trying to get like all the, they're trying to get the, the, the messages and she, and she's like, did they do good revenge mommy? And I was like, oh, this is spicy. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm on, are you on mushrooms? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love it. I love always love a good uh, fun joke scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I thought this was, um, I thought this was 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 quite a bit of fun. I didn't see the twist coming at all. No, and I thought it was great. That's I, always fun. I only suspected that Eleanor was up to more. Huh, that rhymed. Um, mm. because of her narration that she said she doesn't know we're about to become best friends and they cheekily let you in on it which um at some point around the time we had figured out that this was a loose remake of strangers on a train oh yeah, yeah. and in one of the scenes she is reading strangers on a train which is not just like a cute nod, but rather also suggesting that Eleanor literally drew up this plan from from <laughs> strangers on a train uh which is fun. Um, and I, and I like that kind of like acknowledgement of like, yeah, we, we made this remake because she literally read the book. I can do that. I really like Maya Hawk. I think she's really great in this. I, 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 there's something I'm trying to say about her character, but I can't quite figure out what that is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I had a good time with this one. I was happy. I watched it. Yeah. Yeah, she she owns her presence in the film. Absolutely. Yeah, I just think that there's some of the characters on the periphery needed to be. Yeah, like the, our, our two leads love them. Uh, Kamran from Miss Marvel, I think he's pretty great. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, so she's she's fine. I honestly, she, she's fine. It's nice to have her. It's nice to have her. She's um, got a lot to do. Uh, Gabby is cool. I could pretty much believe the rest to be honest. Well, you need Max. Well, I mean, okay, fine. He's like the bad like he's, guy. He's a great bad guy. He's a bad guy. Sure, sure, sure. He's the rest guy. the rest were like kind of like fodder to me. I think one of my favorite scenes for Max, honestly, is the scene where he's with Eleanor and she's saying, tell me something you don't tell anyone else. Oh, that is, like, that's a I real wanna, scene. I want to go, I want to leave all this alone and go backpacking and, and taking photography. And it's like, he means that. Yeah. Like, like there's even, a level, he recognizes, even as he's shitty, like he also kind of hates his own existence. He recognizes the facade they're all doing. Yes. Even though he's like the best at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's cool because again, like he, even he with his glimpses feels multi-level rather than just like, he is a shitty person. It's like, he's a shitty person for reasons that he is a shitty person. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Or do you think we should call it? Mm, 
let's do a review. What you guys? What would you guys? Final thoughts and rate it. I think it's a good time. Um, definitely in in the wheelhouse of movies. Not something I normally go to first, but I am glad I watched it. Um, um, I would give it. I would give it a solid eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I really, I really think it's executed well in a lot of ways. Uh, we didn't really touch on it, but the set design and colors and oh yeah, framing yeah. are all very good. Um, they they just they again also stand out from like the standard fare of this kind of film. It's very popping. Um, it, it turned it into Wes it, Anderson a few times. It makes it it yeah. makes it really nice to watch. It's visually um, because yeah. it's visually striking. Uh, both in like the way they design their uniforms, the way the school looks, the way certain rooms look, uh, even down to like the way they dress. Um, just a lot of striking ideas uh, for the production design. And I think that helps the film a lot. Um, I just hope we get to a point where we can do films like this and also be more mm-hmm. thoughtful mm-hmm. about what we're saying about how abusers exist in a system and how enablers are responsible as well for what part they either play or choose not to play in the actions that occur. Uh, but I would give it an eight out of 10. Um, it certainly sails on the backs of its leads. True. I, um, I agree with a lot of what you both said. Um, so I won't reiterate that. <clears throat> I will say a couple of things real quickly that I noticed. And I just remembered uh, the needle drops too many needle drops. Um, the uh, driving scenes horrendous. Um, oh my god! Thank you for noticing it because it was there specifically. I pointed first, like they're driving. There's like no wind happening at all, and then they cut to it seeing them in the car, and then there's wind blowing. I'm like, there's a there is a, there is some hor- horrendous green screen driving. The first I noticed the very first scene where we see Maya Hawk driving, um, it zooms in, and I noticed that the speedometer wasn't moving at all, and I was like, hmm. yeah. good catch. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, not that it should, but like make it look a little bit more convincing maybe. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think you're absolutely right about like the colors popping the way it's filmed. I think is pretty, is pretty good. Um, there's a scene specifically, there's a, there's a shot specifically that it kind of like zooms into the mushroom party and then you see the two leads come in the cross and I thought that was excellent. Oh yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I love watching my Hawk. I'm I'm really grateful that the two leads had such great chemistry. I would also give it an eight. Whoop whoop. Do revenge. Um, all right, book club. Do book club. All right, Sparks, it's your book club, so take it away. Yeah, we're doing uh, Mooncakes. Ooh, this is ooh nope. not going to work. Nope, not going to work with a virtual background. That's a bummer. We who, might have to who's a buy? turn that off. Uh, Wendy Zhu and Suzanne Walker. Beautiful. Um, and uh, it's a nice little just, uh, graphic novel. Um, it's of that... Uh, uh, I don't really know what the genre term is for like this kind of... It's like teen poppy kind of... Like it feels like young adult. Young adult romance. Yeah. Um, but like, there's a there's a kind of style to this, but that like, you you know it when you look at it. <laughs> but like, I don't have a name for it, um, and I knew it would be like that going in. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, I think it's I think uh, speaking of like representation of things, like we're moving from um, do revenge to this. Uh, two things I think it does really well is like having a character who has hearing aids, and it is present in the story but not like it's not a plot point Mm -hmm. um and i think the same of uh tam's 
pronouns they them yeah um and their presence and like it feels like the amount of like in-world existence and fleshing out of the character without feeling like it was driven by like some point in the plot was going to revolve around this detail yeah um i i i feel like on some level this is this is the amount of like good hearing a kind of representation yeah. you want to see they actually incorporate that in the spells to make it even cooler to do cool stuff with sound that yeah i think those parts are used well and again like none of them but none of them are like the spells that decide no. the fate you know yeah, yeah. like it, it's it, it does come up but it's, it's a bonus. but it's not the it's not the thing that changed how it all no, no. turned out kind of thing it's it's um, like it's what you can do with with your with your ability. right which yeah. just feels very like naturally ingrained i think one of my favorite touches is like the part where they're able to speak internally into each other's minds and in that space she doesn't need the hearing aids and, and that's something that they they address um i think it's got really nice art really nice colors um i specifically like the design of our woodland uh creatures whether they're the, yeah. the friendly the friendly ones or our our big demon arch demon uh arch demon yeah i took a picture horse, of the uh yeah you're not gonna be able to creature see, see how's that gonna work is that gonna work you yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> maybe we could turn off virtual background but yeah <laughs> it's okay um yeah man um yeah tam and nova the romance the romance of the story uh i had a really good time this this um it, it reminded me of like a pixar movie like it, like oh, it, sure. like like you know after seeing like turning red i'm like this is a this is a story about a girl falling in love with her family dealing with like family stuff and i'm like it's it's so charming it's so um it's so like bubbly bubbly and light but like and I was always, I was worried that it was going to take like a really dark turn because sometimes stories like this, they feel like they need to. And it doesn't, it never does. It stays, it stays wholesome and fun and lovely almost the entire time. And I love the ending. I like everything, how the way everything's resolved. Uh, there is a little bit of, of, uh, of like villain stuff going on, but like, it's, it's like the least important part of the story, in my opinion. Like I, I think all the, the familiar relationships are great. I love the characters. Um, and yeah, it, it, yeah. If this were like a Pixar movie turned in graphic novel form, I'm like, yeah, I believe that 100%. I think one of the things they do really well is like the informing on um, Tam's background through slowly unfolding like the stepdad thing. Yeah, um, ends up being and that, like it's it's shitty because specifically of why he was with her mom and like for the werewolf stuff and like clearly like there's a conservative slant to him because he does not like Tam being with Nova. And, yep, and like this this very like uh, disapproving of their entire vibe. Um, he's he's very like plain basic white man uh concept of of how people should be and uh that's very striking against yeah. like the diverse cast that you have outside of him um and i think that the way they unroll that in terms of what he was doing and how that affected tam and tam being able to go home again at the end and like what she was running from what they were running from um i think all of that feels like it comes together very well. It full circles well. Yeah, yeah. without feeling like something that um, was shoehorned in at the end. I feel like you, jo- you got just the right amount of bits that led to it. Um, so I really like that. Uh, the, the, the mooncake dinner scene, the part that specifically features mooncakes, um, where we learn that um, Nova's parents are dead and they can come back for meals love it um the the kind of subtle idea that when they're at the table they actually take corporeal form again um i thought that was just that was a nice additional like informing on nova without like 
again not overbearing the plot with the idea of that informing on who she is it's present it is a part of who she is but it's not her defining trait is dead parents it's not that um and i really like that oh i was good i was trying to find it but there's a great thing where like um there's a lot of great like puns either they're dad puns or wolf puns but there's a great pun where where the where the ghost dad because like he overhears overhears tam like making like a pun he's like he says he you have the line I don't, think I, have, okay. I don't think I but have. I don't think I have. It's like he makes like a ghost pun, a ghost dad pun, and she's like, "Ah, oh, you, you're cool. You're all right." I, before that, I do have the one with Tam and Nova, where um, Nova is talking about seeing their, her parents again, and Tam's like, "Woof, I'll bet that's tough." And then Nova's like, "Did did you just woof?" And Tam's like, "Well, I mean, family stuff can be rough." rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, the oh, Brandon, I want you to speak real quick before I bring some stuff up. Uh, just call me Ben tonight because I don't have a lot to say about this this comic. I not as hot on it as I, as you guys are. That's not to say I didn't I didn't like it. I, I didn't dislike it. I I liked it. Um, I just don't really have a lot. There wasn't a lot that I I gleaned from it to pick out to kind of a, a, enjoy a larger discussion about it. No worries. Um, let's see. I love that the uh, the grandmas are always. Oh, this wasn't grandmas, but everyone's always making jokes about how they're like always making out or something. And it's like, you know, maybe the nanas are right. Maybe we need to experiment. Yeah, I think you guys should definitely experiment. Oh, my God. Uh, there's a couple of those. Um, let me find the other one. I have it right here. Hold on. Oh, yeah. If you two can keep from mooing over each other long enough to work, Nana, please. I yeah. love it. I love, I love like, the anime-inspired look. I like, I like the presence of the grandmas. I think that's all done very well. Um, we have to talk about Cousin Terry, who accidentally turned his head into the head of a pigeon. Oh my god, but he can still talk. Um, but he doesn't. But he can still talk. But we don't know they, that. They don't know that until long after the dinner. God. <laughs> uh, I, I picture, like, when he finally walks in and he says, hey, you love birds, I always picture it like, hey, you love birds, and they're like, oh my god, he's like, my family's leaving if you want to say goodbye, because I like picturing that kind of voice What's coming the, out of a pigeon. The brother from Everybody Loves Raymond. That guy. I yeah, Brad him. Garrett. Brad Garrett. Yeah, that's what I imagine. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um so like there's a plot of there's an archdemon in the forest that um that Tam that Tam, it's Tam, right? Tam brought it. Yeah. Um and then like the family gets involved and they gotta they gotta banish an archdemon, but it's pretty hard and they need wolf magic. But they don't know anything about wolf magic, so they gotta discover it and learn it and make out a bunch. They eventually she gets a uh, she gets uh possessed. And it ends up being okay. It ends up being just okay. And I love that. I love that, it, again, nobody had to die. Yeah. Nobody has to get murdered. I, I do like that Tam gets in there. And, and like, it's specifically because the, the implication, it feels like, is because they did the sharing mind magic stuff before that allows Tam to connect to the wolf uh, spirit mm -hmm. and embrace and move forward and uh, help release it and free it be because of that kind of connection and love that she had with Nova earlier. Um I think their their story works very well. I like a lot of the coloring, especially when we are in the, the, the zone world. of the the their their minds and speaking to each other. Um, I think uh, that's really good. Um, uh, she knocks over the villain of the story, <laughs> and she's like, "That's right, run back to your little wolf friend." She's like, "I will, and I'm gonna make out with them all the time." That that felt yeah, <laughs> love that. Love that's it's, it's pretty goofy. Um, this is like it's it's yeah, really hard know. to see because of oh, everything, but like it's oh. some of the most interesting paneling. Not gonna yeah, work. Not gonna work. Um, but it's the one where like you get like Tam's recounting of the story of the ritual and stuff, and uh, they like show uh, the ritual reflected in Tam's eye. Some of the best paneling art I think they have in the in the whole story. Um, Tam takes out her uh, hearing aids when she's that's flying. Nova. Uh, Nova, sorry, Nova takes out her hearings, and then he's like, "Wait, you fly without them? Yeah, I can't hear anything with the wind." And then her friend starts crying. Great, cool. <laughs> oh, no. 
I do like uh, the presence of Tatiana. I do think that's fun. Yeah. I will say um, I do have like one major negative and it's just like I it Tam going out to be like, I'll get rid of the demon by myself mm-hmm. is like I, I wish there had been like any other thing thing to like lure her out there or something yeah. other than her like trying to do it myself having to be like overconfident and all that and like they made it very clear that like your best chances are in the morning for this particular kind of spell you need to be rested like there's there's just no good foundation for why tam wouldn't trust them on that yeah and why they had to be like i just gotta i just gotta go for it right now i, I don't especially because part. like they brought they they brought it here and couldn't deal with and it. to have yeah. and to have nova's support and the gram and the nana's support and it's like that just didn't work for me i was like this feels very like cheap we need to get this uh, Tam kidnapped. Here's the easiest, quickest way. And I'm like, it just didn't work with who Tam's character was written to be up to that point sure, to sure. me. I feel like we could have done something that had Mrs. C like lure her out or trick her or something. I can't get her just being like, I'm going to deal with this myself. And I'm like, oh, Tam, you big dummy. Um, like, you, you can't, you can't. And you know, you should know. Like, yeah. That's the only part that like really just didn't work for me. I was like, that felt too stupid. You, you guys haven't mentioned that there's pretty much a cat in every frame, and you find out there's actually just three cats around that area. Love the cats. Big fan of cats. I love when the cats get together and get Nova. You get like just a panel, a page or two of just cats rallying. Big fan. Big fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. This was a. This was a. Yeah. A. A fun. Um. Brisky. Uh, uh, light fun read. Like again. Like I. Like I. I reading this. I was like, man. I. I see this being a Pixar movie. Like, oh, I love the world building of just magic exists, but only for the people who know it. So every time a new person comes into her life, like, wait, does she know? No, she knows that. I'm, she's a wolf. She's fine. It's cool. It's okay. Oh, she's a wolf now. We're cool. Like everyone who gets introduced is like, is she on the, is she on the okay list? Right, she's a yeah. wolf lady. Don't worry yeah, about yeah. it. Uh, I think that's done pretty well. Um, I won't say that like this is necessarily only for young readers because it's not, but like, I do feel like it's written in a way where like young readers can access it. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that's like, really valuable for a lot of reasons it's it is utilizing the halloween season and oh, yeah. of halloween nature because it's got werewolves and witches and everything but you do see jack-o'-lanterns and stuff around and like um, it's very especially like 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 modern young like queer kids like yes like exactly. they look, they look or, or deaf yeah. kids and yeah, like yeah. There's, there's a lot of like like this is this is a graphic novel that when like if i have a daughter and she's like seven i would be like yeah absolutely please yeah. please go check this out it's written on a level where you can engage with it and i think that like it's it is good good present clear it, representation it is written it is written on like a a like like for kids but like i don't think it's written poorly at all no. like i think like i think reading it as an adult like like i still get just i i get a lot out of it like yeah. like i thought yeah good, good time all right anything else you guys want to bring up no that was my segue into the spooky season so you're welcome everybody hell yeah all right so next ben week thought it was fantastic 10 out of 10 best book he ever read uh, so next week, um, we're not 100% sure what we're going to do. We're pretty much, we're probably leaning towards no topic next week, though, because we uh, are recording, it coincides with the recording of our 300th episode, a little that inside depends. baseball. That depends on when we are recording. So um, stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, we may surprise you with a topic, but if not, you know, uh, that's why. We may uh, skip. Who knows? Everything's chaos. The world is our oyster. And... Um, sparks uh you are intending to do a woman king review sometime in the future by himself yes i would like to i haven't seen it yet i intend to go see it tuesday so with me i would like to see the woman to see the woman king and then want to talk about it i hope we will talk about it shortly 
So stay tuned for that potentially. And of course, the 3000 years of longing review special is recorded and will be out soon. So stay tuned for that as well. True, true. Um, and of course, as I, as I mentioned already up top, episode 300 is just around the corner. So um, yeah, get ready, guys. Watch your movie episodes. All right. Thank you to everyone. No. Like yeah. this video, subscribe to this channel. Um, like this video, subscribe to this channel. You can check out all sorts of shows on this channel if you'd like, such as our Fake Nerds Watch series on She-Hulk. New episode is down below. Um, more Fake Nerds Watch shows series are incoming, upcoming, whatever the hell. We're um, recording stuff soon for so many things. Stay tuned for really anything at this point. Basement Arcade um, is our video game Let's Play series, and Basement Arcade Pause Menu is our uh, video game discussion series. Of course, there's also Bakes, uh, Fake Nerd Book Club and Animation Station, all of which are shows, if you're so inclined, that you can watch on this channel. Some of these also have audio feeds that you can check out, so that'd be cool. True, true. We we like doing stuff on this podcast. We have a lot of stuff we want to do um, uh, for us, and you know, coincident, and and it just so happens for you guys. So if you want to see us do more stuff, um, you know, consider supporting us financially. You can check out our Patreon, um, where you can check out some some of the tiers on Patreon. I understand it's a bit of a mess right now, so if you want, if you would rather, then you can support us by buying some merchandise on T Public, which are all both of those are linked below. Or you can find them on our website at fictorpodcast.com, which is also linked below. Or you can just Venmo me at Ryan Eaton. Okay. Uh, thank you to everyone who listens. Uh, thank you to everyone who watches the live show. And thank you to everyone who watches the rewind. We greatly appreciate all of your support. Uh, thank you to Jeremy Vellucci for all of the music you heard here tonight and all of the music for all of our shows. You can find him at Jeremy Vellucci Keyboards or his podcast, Suburban Proctologist on Instagram at Subpoc Podcast or at Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official. You can just find it on iTunes if you like. Just click that subscribe button. Thank you to Mike Matola, who does a lot of uh, collaborations with us and a couple of our logos. You can find him at, at Mike Matola on Instagram and TikTok. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast, fakenerdguys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for Screen Rant, Atomic Geekdom, and kaijuramanmedia.com. Ryan? Hey, Ryan. Sorry. I don't normally go second. I love it. Hey, guys. You Okay. You can find me grinding those eddies so I can get the Mark IV Savantis Dan uh, uh, cyberpunk model so I can go super speed and I can and I can do bullet time in cyberpunk and that's going to take me hours and hours but you can find me doing that at DJ Tony Snark 616 <laughs> Sparks you can find me asking is do revenge even like correct grammar at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter S-P-A-R-K-Z and of course Ben Magnet who is not here today you can find him at Ben Magnet on all the social medias or his writings at Fusion Gaming Magazine Old School Gaming Magazine and go Nintendo.com. Ben Magnet 27. <laughs> okay, so. Ben Magnet His entire life. Ben Magnet 27. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcasts, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video. Subscribe to our channel. And until next time we see us, guys, stay fake nerds. Peace.